0: 11 seconds left in Super Bowl 57, 35-35 tie. The kick is good, and Kansas City leads 38-35 with eight seconds to go in regulation in Super Bowl 57. Here we go. Hertz has all day. Now some rushers come. Going to throw it as far as his arm can take it, which is well short, and the Kansas City Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. I, I, I.
1: my crazy thought of the day, Kevin? Sure. Let's get it out of the way early, I guess. And this is not meant as a negative. It's going to come off that way. I thought as we listened to Rihanna that the Super Bowl halftime show was appropriate and symbolic of the Super Bowl itself. And by that, I mean very well executed, very talented performer, hitting all of the right marks, but not really a necessary oomph moment that 10 years from now people talk about as the signature play. But a just a very, very good football game and entertaining all the way around and perfectly sufficient.
2: Um, I, I would disagree. I would say we will remember because a woman who was pregnant performed well, at Super Bowl.
1: And that people figured it out halfway through the performance, yes.
2: I mean, that to me, after watching... Uh, Maddie go through a couple pregnancies. I cannot even imagine what Rihanna did last night. I thought it was incredible. Um, Her performance and in general, the game, to your point, Jake, sure. It definitely lacked the cherry on top. Uh, Haymakers thrown back and forth. I mean, high scoring. Both quarterbacks were excellent. Um, Sure, you you, want to see the Malcolm Butler. You want to see the David Tyree play. We talked about it leading into Sunday about that building has provided some epic Super Bowl moments and you just didn't get that at the end. I know James Bradbury who was called for the holding penalty said afterwards that he tugged Juju Smith-Schuster and he thought it was a penalty. Kudos to him for being candid, being honest. I I just felt like so close to the line of scrimmage that is a flag that you don't throw. I didn't felt I didn't feel like it impeded juju as much as you know maybe down the field and really if you watch juju on the play jake he doesn't really react usually you see wideouts he'll freak out It, it seemed like a late flag right
1: yeah it seemed very late as well um but boy here's the question though if they didn't call that would it have been pointed out like if they didn't call it would people have been like whoa like
2: i don't think so because again juju didn't really react right um, and get, typically, you see wideouts you know, go crazy in those moments, looking for that flag, particularly on a third down. But you know, as you watch the game unfold, you are just thinking to yourself, "You, you, you got to slay the dragon. You can't keep them." No question, hanging around. And whatever happened at halftime to Mahomes' ankle, and I know so much attention will be put on the second half, but I will go back to that fumble in the first half. I mean, Jalen Hurts just kind of gifting Kansas City seven points. It's really a miracle the Eagles had. I mean, the Eagles were up ten at halftime, and they had
1: gifted. They Kansas should have City been up seven points. Point. It was fourteen seven at that point, right? Fourteen seven. They were looking. They were about to go up twenty one seven. It felt like. And you know, if you go back and
2: look at that sequence, Jake, Philly had a third and one right before the fumble, and they got the false start penalty. So instead of them doing the QB sneak, which, boy, you imagine Shane Steichen bringing that QB sneak look here to the Colts. Colts will never uh, not convert a third or fourth and short in the history of the franchise. Uh, But they get a false start there. So from third and one, it becomes third and six. Now they obviously have to run a normal play. Hertz trying to make a play happen. He drops it, and the fumble return for a touchdown. Like, if you're going to tell Nick Sirianni before the game, hey, you're going to score 35, he would sign up for it, but if you also were to tell him you're going to give up the longest punt return in NFL Super Bowl history and you're going to give up a fumble return for a touchdown that your quarterback drops the ball on, he would have said, oh, we got no shot to win the game. But again, you got to put Kansas City away. You let them hang around, and Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things. Uh, good Monday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. A whole lot to get to. On this Super Bowl Monday, the latest from the national reports, and I think a lot of this is agent-driven. The Colts are extremely quiet per usual, as a, you know. Feel like we've kind of warned you. The Colts will not speak on this until pen is put to paper. Uh, but Adam Schefter from ESPN has reported this morning that Shane Steichen expected to fly to Indianapolis this afternoon to make it official as the youngest head coach in Colts history. Correct?
1: Uh, how old is he? He's in his mid 30s, right? 37 years yeah, that's old. Got to be. By the way, um, the Chiefs are very likable. Arrowhead's a great stadium. It's an awesome atmosphere. Players that go there say it's one of the best places to go. People in Kansas City I mean, Kansas City is essentially the same city as Indianapolis if you've never been there. Very similar. Uh, great people in Kansas City. The you know storied franchise that's been around a long time and has now found some glory here. Patrick Mahomes, nothing about him that you that, to dislike really. Uh, his brother a little much, but mm, and wife. Uh, but is is Travis Kelsey single handedly going to turn them into Patriots fatigue overnight? I think I'd rather hang out with Jason than Travis. Well, I, I guess it depends
2: on what you're going for. If you're having the party of your life, maybe Travis. But if you want to do uh, any other
1: function in your life, I the think you'd hang out with Jason. But Gronkowski. With Rob Gronkowski, after a couple of years there, I think everybody kind of figured out that Gronkowski was having fun, and we were all kind of in on the joke. Like he knew the character he was playing, and just kind of lived up to it. I think this guy's just naturally a d bag, right? Cocky, sure. I don't know if I,
2: I, I don't know if I know him well enough to throw out the old d bag. Um, but boy, he's a damn
1: good football player. And him and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's a great player, but... One of the best duos, frankly, what bothers me, in NFL Devin, history. is he doesn't allow Patrick Mahomes any... Like, after the game, I want to hear from Patrick Mahomes. And like, the whole time Aaron Andrews is trying to talk to Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey's like, jumping in, yelling over everything. Yeah, I, I thought we could have done that separate. Totally. I mean, he's like, gone overboard with it. And the whole, like, us against the world, like, no one believed in us. You're the number one seed, right?
2: Yeah, that was a bit much. He acted like they were UMBC. Totally. Oh,
1: the Houston Texans
2: just won the Super Bowl. That's what he made it sound like. Uh, Totally. Uh, Second youngest head coach. Thank you, Dustin. Uh, Don Shula, 33 in 1963. For Shane Steichen.
1: Everyone thinks of Don Shula with the Colts, of course. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So I guess youngest head coach in Indianapolis Colts history. When When would you anticipate that we will get... I mean, obviously, the Colts are going to dot every i and cross every t before they officially announce Shane Steichen. For those of you that were under a rock in the last thirty-six hours, um, what? And I saw somebody that like pokes fun at, oh, this is how it always happens. The local guys go, see, we told you this is okay. But I think everybody knew for the last the the last half of last week that this is where things were headed. Right? I mean, it. it You and I talked about it on Thursday. it, It appeared as though that was who they were honing in on was Shane Steichen.
2: Yeah, I don't know if anybody cares about this, Jake, but I think how Adam Scheffner has gone about his reporting with this is I think he has simply gotten confirmation from the candidates that have been told no, and he basically just crossed people off the list. Yeah. Oh, okay. The Colts have called Raheem Morris. Okay. The Colts have called Brian Callahan. The Colts have called Jeff Saturday. And by process of elimination, they haven't called Shane Steichen uh, to tell him no. Steichen, for what it's worth, declined comment after the game about this. I could totally understand why he would want to do that. Certainly, it was a heartbreaking second half after being up 10 at halftime. Uh, to your point, Jake, when, you know, expecting finalization, I. You know, part of me thought, hell, Shane Sykin can sign the contract out in Arizona, right? I mean, well, Schefter says he's flying in today. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I I thought for a second there, I'm thinking, well, Jim Mersey's out there and Pete Ward's out there. I mean, the Colts have a lot of important people at the Super Bowl. If they really wanted to get it done as soon as possible, they could do that out there. Uh, maybe from a legal standpoint, you just want to have him do it here in Indianapolis. I would assume, you know, again, time difference. Uh, He signs the contract later today. Press conference, I guess, could be as early as tomorrow. Yeah. That would seem to make sense um, to me. (laughs) Again, the NFL combine starts two weeks from tomorrow. So you would think um, you'd want to get this process rolling. Um, Gus Bradley has a very uh, direct connection with Shane Steichen. So is this good news in retaining Gus Bradley? On paper, there's a lot to point to that would appear so. Uh, Gus Bradley and Shane Steichen spent four years together with the Chargers in the 2020 season. They actually went up against each other. They both were coordinators for the Chargers. Um, to me, what, what just stands out the most about this hire is the variety of his quarterback background and the fact that he has been with a lot of different styles of quarterbacks, worked very closely with all three of them in Philip Rivers, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts. The styles of quarterbacks are different. The ages of the quarterbacks are different. And Jake, when you watch Philadelphia last night, I fully expect the Colts to be uber aggressive under Shane Steichen, to be very plugged in situationally, and I think those are all very important keys to have in a modern NFL. And if you can't get quarterback right, you don't have a chance. And this higher, arguably more than anybody else on the list, outside of maybe Brian Callahan, but I think you could argue Sykin's got the more impressive quarterback resume. This gives you the best opportunity at making sure that position turns
1: out to be a win for the Colts. I'm going to ask you a really dumb question here. And truth be told, I don't know that anybody definitively knows this answer, but it probably varies from coach to coach, in all honesty. Fourth and one for the Philadelphia Eagles. Or any any team. In your opinion, Kevin, more often than not on a fourth and one, the head coach informs the offensive coordinator that he wants to go for it and therefore the offensive coordinator has the job to pick the play that's going to work or the offensive coordinator is the one that makes the decision they're going for it?
2: Oh, I think it's the head coach.
1: yeah, Because Shane Steichen, you know certainly offensively Philadelphia very aggressive you would imagine that he's going to bring some of that with him as i was and when you assume that the Colts are going to have an altogether new quarterback next year he has worked with different quarterbacks to your point that perhaps offer some glimpse of the various quarterbacks that he may be working with in Indianapolis whether it's Bryce Young whether it's CJ Stroud whether it's you know Will Levis whether it's Aaron Rodgers I mean there are people he has been with in the past and worked with offensively in the past that would match but looking at Jalen Hurts like I was watching that game last night and I was thinking to myself If I'm Shane Steichen and I'm coming off of this really high-flying offense with Philadelphia led by Jalen Hurts, the guy to me that I would most be intrigued by would be C.J. Stroud. But... That's going to depend upon who's available, I guess, when the Colts are picking.
2: A little bit of that. I think the beauty of it, Jake, is he's proven that, again, he has worked with different styles. So you're not necessarily married to exactly one specific style. I think that's easily the biggest attraction to him. I mean, certainly you're going to have questions about age and inexperience. And is he going to call the plays here? You know, I thought one of the issues Frank Reich ran into is too much was on his plate and at times he got away from being a head coach and how much does Shane Steichen look at what Nick Sirianni did in Philadelphia and giving up play calling for those that don't recall Sirianni takes a job in 2021 Shane Steichen is initially just the offensive coordinator not the play caller and about midway through Sirianni's first season there Jalen Hurts first full season starting Sirianni says I got too much on my plate gives up the play calling duties to Steichen Steichen takes over. Philadelphia at 1.16 of 7. They got in the playoffs. Obviously this year they make a run to the Super Bowl. But how will Steichen handle that here? I'm very curious to see that. Um, Comes from kind of a Norv Turner. That was his initial coaching tree, if you will. Um, That's how he got a start in the NFL. Uh, Played collegiately at UNLV. Was a quarterback there. I'm gonna again, has been an NFL coach for a little bit over a decade. I don't think a lot of Midwest ties, so this will be a little different for him and his family, two young kids. And again, Shane Steichen reportedly flying to Indy later today to put pen to paper
1: on becoming the next Colts head coach. By, by the way, his first real stop in the NFL, he was working with Rob Chudzinski, remember him? Sure. Do you know what three quarterbacks he was in charge of? Oh, gosh. He was the offensive quality control coach with the Cleveland Browns. Derek Anderson. Jason Campbell, Brian Hoyer, and Brandon Whedon. Started from the bottom, now I'm here, right? He then right? reported to Chitsinski and said, I'm the offensive quality control coach for an offense that has no quality.
2: I, <laughs> right? I, I did find it interesting. His first job in the NFL, Jake, was on defense. North Turner, son Scott, played at UNLV so there was a connection between Norv kind of getting introduced to Shane Steichen at UNLV and for you know a very accomplished head coach in Norv Turner to look at a college quarterback and say I want you to come be a defensive assistant for me that's kind of odd I think just kind of goes to show you the type of intellect that steichen clearly has um seems to be a very very bright individual i know he's really close with philip rivers and uh, hopefully we'll get shane steichen on later this week he was a uh, journalism major by the way
1: journalism and media major
2: look at that nothing says you're looking to coast through college like, like that so <laughs> that's right i can say that i guess this one uh way too sloppy for the boilermakers
1: up at Northwestern? Yeah, I mean. Way too sloppy. Again, I go back to, you know, we've talked about it. Is there a game for Purdue? Would it behoove them to get a game where you just got to put everything on the guards and force them to win for you? Because if you have, and not that Edie had an off night necessarily, but if you don't get good shootings, certainly, out of you know, Fletcher Lawyer, he's kind of gone through like a little bit of a mini slump here. And, and I think we knew that from young backcourt players, but if you don't get that, Consistent play from the backcourt for Purdue. As great as Edie is, you know, you put you're susceptible. You're not you're not bad. You're susceptible though. And last night they fell victim to
2: we it. We saw turnovers in the name of the game, the first half in Bloomington. Uh you know, they obviously had a lot of turnovers against Iowa the other night, several of those late in the game when it was already decided. Uh, but a big turnover number yesterday. Northwestern ended that game on a 12-1 run. Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer go 2 of 13 with 5 turnovers. Braden Smith had some big-time freshman moments in that one. Northwestern 64-58. Zach Eady had 24, but he had 6 turnovers himself. I thought that was the one of the best you've seen, kind of the double team towards Edie really impact him. All season long, Purdue had chances to try and put that game away. Brand, um, Brandon Newman had a wide open three to go up nine. It's just a few minutes to go, miss that, and again, a uh, 12-1 run to end it there. Um, Indiana with a kind of a survival game up in Ann Arbor, 62-61 for the Hoosiers on Saturday night. That was one of the uglier final five minutes you'll see from either team. But IU gets one more stop than Michigan. And they win that one. So now that sets up Wednesday night at Northwestern. Indiana-Northwestern for second place in the Big Ten. And, Jake, if things go a little awry down the stretch here, that could be a matchup to see who could challenge Purdue, maybe.
1: Yeah, how for the about Big Northwestern? Title. I, I mean, for Northwestern to be in this situation, you got to give a lot of credit to Chris Collins. Um, and Indiana, again... What you're seeing out of Indiana, and we've talked about this, I know this is a horse that I've beaten many, many times, but Trace Jackson Davis is outstanding, and they just simply need, as is Zach Eady. both teams have one thing in common, and Purdue has gotten it more consistently than has Indiana, but they need a secondary piece, right, to run, and, and Jalen hood Shafino now is starting to, to play away from home with more consistency, which is what Ind- has put Indiana back into this position, and... Look, Indiana a month ago looked like they were circling the drain and they got that thing clogged and they're playing very well. No doubt about it. This is the Indiana, I think, that we we anticipated at the beginning of the year.
2: You know, last year there were ugly moments that would end in losses. This year, whether it's Saturday night, whether it was the end of the Rutgers game last Tuesday, you could have ugly moments there but still be able to kind of gut it out. And that's what they were able to get done on Saturday night, so 28-11 and for Trace Jackson-Davis. Jalen Huchofino had 21. Nobody else had more than four, but still Indiana able to get a road win there in the Big Ten. So at Northwestern for the Hoosiers coming up on Wednesday night, and then for Purdue this week, they are at Maryland. That is an early tip on Thursday. What was your favorite commercial? I actually liked the one to start things off. I thought uh, Ben Affleck and... Um, J-Lo and the Dunkin' Donuts. I thought was pretty good okay. to start things off.
3: Yeah, that one was solid. I like the... uh like the Michelob Ultra one, the Caddyshack theme. Okay. Breaking now, Bad, Pop Crunch or whatever it was that called. Was that good. was good.
1: Here's the problem with, for example, there was one that was for, I believe it was Ram trucks that was kind of an innuendo like you thought it was going to be like an, an erectile dysfunction ad. And the whole ad is taking you one way, and then at the end, you re- they reveal that it's actually for Ram trucks, right? The problem with ads like that is no one remembers who, I- granted, I just did, but for the most part, you're like, oh, I really liked the-, the one about such and such. And it's like, well, you're not naming the product. Like, there are too many ads that... They try to get so creative and cute, and then you forget what it's for. They, they create like a little storyline, and you're like, but what was it for? Oh, uh, the one where the guy got lost. Law- okay. The one that, that got me, and I saw it was like leaked ahead of time, but the one about the dog. Oh, sure. There were two dog commercials. One was for Amazon, but the one where it shows the little girl getting the, the pet dog, it was for... What the was, farmer's dog yeah, is the I was name of the company. Say, I was
2: thinking of what the,
1: but it was is. an effective ad because you knew it was an advertisement for dog owners for uh, about dog ownership. But like it showed the little dog and the lifespan of the dog, and it was like it like made me sad. I mean, I admit it. Like I watched it, and it, it even though nothing happened to the dog, but
2: the uh, be streaming one I thought was pretty good. I literally thought for a moment there that my tv that had been good. turned
3: from the game to that the streaming device how many, how many how many living rooms in america freaked out for like literally like, who's
1: sitting on the remote
3: that's uh, 1000 well, remember i told you
1: guys one of the best ads that i'd seen was like 10 years ago when all of a sudden it went to color bars and then it said we had a creative ad here but unfortunately we sent it and we didn't send it via fedex mm-hmm. and it was for fedex and you're like because it got everyone's attention right I thought Babyface and uh, Chris Sableton were both really good. Yeah, agree with that. To lead into it, Sirianni had the tears going.
2: Sirianni, very emotional, which we know full well he's an emotional human. I thought the crowd was pretty good. Like, I thought it was like Chiefs, Eagles, I felt like there were strong contingents for both
1: of their fan bases. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of times the Super Bowl becomes a corporate event sure. where it's corporate execs from you know, Madison Avenue as opposed to fans of the respective teams. A lot of Chiefs fans there, obviously, because you could hear it. It's kind of crazy that the Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill and they won the Super Bowl.
2: What does that tell you? I mean, I don't know. Does it? Well, it tells you Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are quite impressive. Travis Kelsey is a Kelsey's first a... ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah,
1: he, he's a game changer for certain. No question about it. And, you know, they got good play out of out of – You know, Juju Smith-Schuster played really well in the second half. Yeah, he did. He certainly did. And and I'll I'll go back to what I said earlier. So much of it, Jake will be
2: on that penalty, this and that. You cannot afford to hand them seven points like they did on the Jalen Hurts fumble. And then the Canarius-Tony punt return. I mean, at one point, if you—I know several people did this on Twitter— if you just stop that, freeze frame it at one point during the punt— I mean, there's like five Eagles around him. And it was a really poor punt. And he reverses field like that. And it's the longest punt return in Super Bowl history there. That's a guy that they went out midseason and took a chance on him. And, yes, he had a touchdown, which was more, I think, play design than anything. But that was a hell of an individual effort. But they
1: got, they got really – I'm talking about Kansas City. They got really hard-running – Good chunk yardage out of the backfield. Pacheco runs hard. Uh, And he's a seventh-round draft pick. And he was really good for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was really, really effective. When they need a big place, he he delivered on more than one occasion, right? 15 carries, 75 yards, that's what you want. Yeah, I thought they were able
2: to keep that Eagles D-line quiet. You know, that's why I picked Philly leading into the game. I thought they'd be able to impact Mahomes a little bit, and boy, I, for how Mahomes looked walking off that field at halftime, I don't know what happened there in the locker room. You know, a lot of people I think would say, "Oh, that's too much time. Halftime's twenty nine minutes long." And it's enough time to get a cortisone shot. That's not it? good. I don't know if he got shot up a couple times or what, but well, he came out that first drive of the third quarter, and that was pretty flawless. And obviously, the scramble at the end to put that game on ice. For those that missed it, James Radbury called for that holding penalty on the final third down. Um, He did say after the game, he was pretty honest, he said that was a penalty. I definitely tugged, Um, I guess, good on him for admitting that. I didn't love the call. I didn't like it in particular of where it was on the field. I think within the first five yards, you know, you kind of let a little bit of leeway on that. I agree with Craig Olson on that play. And I think oftentimes you look to how a wide receiver reacts. And clearly, if you look at the reaction of Juju Smith-Schuster on that play... He didn't really act like he didn't go nuts after the incompletion, and I think he kind of looked at that as that's normal first five yard stuff. And it almost seemed like if you would have asked him in that moment, he would
1: have thought, "Nope, play on." I thought, by the way, to to continue my theme, and I and I actually appreciated this, and it's only because it's I you know it was their pair that pairings first time doing it. But we have become so accustomed to the Super Bowl being a broadcast team that are household names, you know, Buck and Aikman and Al Michaels and you know and Collinsworth and I thought it was they did a really good job. I think Olson's pretty good. Olson's very good, and and quite frankly, I, I think Olson is just very conversational and knowledgeable and doesn't upstage anything. And then they're eventually going to put Tom Brady in that position, and everyone's going to dislike him. I think you just
2: stay with what works, right? Yeah, and I'm glad that Brady's going to you know take another year because right. I'll, I'll enjoy Olson that top team. Um, if Pacheco scores, like if he does not fall down, boy, and he was about to there at the end, and Kansas City goes up seven. If the Eagles go down and score, do they go for two in the win?
1: Yes, I, I honestly thought when there were like two and a half minutes left. At that point, I was like, you know what? Philly's got to let him score right here. Before it gets so late in the game that it's obvious you're going to let him score, yeah. you need to just let him score.
2: Once it became third and whatever it was, eight or nine, I was like, okay, here's a chance to get a stop here, actually.
1: Yeah, but then that, but, that penalty was. But the obviously the penalty right? ended
2: it. And, you know, I thought there was a point when Kansas City scored and they kicked the extra point to go up eight. I thought, wow, is Kansas City going to go for two here to go up nine? Right, it almost just seemed like whichever I, team kind of, really, whichever team had the ball last.
1: I just felt like late in the game, Kevin, that that last drive. I understand the penalty, and, and I I give them credit for for throwing the fly. I mean, penalty penalty's a penalty, but I just think there were a lot of people that were disappointed because it had been such an entertaining game, and then for it to end where you've been, you know, when you ride the beast at Kings Island. And then at the very end of it, you get towards the platform where you get off. And it and then like the hydraulics come on. And then it's just like, and you're just waiting. You're kind of coasting the last 100 yards at like two miles an hour. That's what that game felt like. You've been on this wild ride of fun and excitement and fireworks for two hours. And then the last five minutes of the game, you're waiting for what everyone knows is going to happen. And that is, oh, okay, it's going to come down to... I'm looking at the clock here, and they're going to have eight seconds after this field goal, and okay, Kansas City's going to win. Yeah, it kind of turned into we're walking to the foul line now. Correct. That's a good way of saying it.
2: Yeah. That's pretty much how I thought the game ended. But still, terrific up until that point. Haymakers back and forth. 38-35, one of the highest scoring Super Bowls, I think, ever. Uh, 35 points the most for a losing team in Super Bowl history. You were hoping for a close game, though, and you got that. Certainly. Certainly. And after what, you know, Mark, you mentioned this on Friday, what we had, divisional round and championship round. Mm-hmm. We got, I think, what we wanted, albeit didn't have that one moment there in the final minute or so. Bob Kravitz going to join us at 9 o'clock today. A ton to get to. The Pacers have got two games left until the All-Star break. That is tonight with Utah. Wednesday with Chicago. Both of those are at home. The Pacers continue to struggle, really no matter where they're playing. Um, They lose both games this week into Phoenix and Washington. And we'll talk about Shane Steichen. He appears to be the man that is about to sign a contract later today and become the youngest head coach in Indianapolis Colts
1: history. There you go.
2: Kevin Bowen, Jake Corey, and Mark Dykton on Super Bowl Monday. The
0: Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: And we'll begin with college basketball. Yesterday, the number one team in the land, the Boilermakers of Purdue, their third loss of the year. They are now 12-3 in the Big Ten, losing at Northwestern, 64-58. Cats led by Boo who had 26 points, then made four prank phone calls for Howard Stern. Uh, we have the final call, Mark says, of the game last night. Here we go. To go. Here's
2: a length of the court pass, 80 cashes
1: it, lost it, there has got it,
2: nine seconds to go. Barry
4: protecting the ball. Purdue's back in a foul. And for the first time ever, the Northwestern Wildcats have knocked off the number one team in the country. They have defeated the Purdue Makers. 64-58. to 58. And the fans have scored the court as we expected here at Wells' Ryan Arena.
1: That a quick storm. That, well, hey, Purdue's getting used to that, right? Seeing yeah, it seems to be
2: the norm. Speaking of Storm and Jake, how about Friday night? Butler upsetting Xavier in a wild final minute in that one. Eric Hunter attacking the rim there late. They call it goaltend. Just a crazy final minute by both sides there. They beat Xavier at home. And as we mentioned earlier, Indiana over Michigan on Saturday, 62-61. So the Hoosiers continue to. You know, find different ways frankly to win ugly final few minutes but IU gets a road win at Ann
1: Arbor Uh, Northern Kentucky 86-47 over IPY. it was Missouri State 66-60 over Evansville and Robert Morris 71-64 over Fort Wayne by the way I went to college with a guy named Robert Morris he's like a state rep now saw him at a pacer game he's like you know um, I know the radio doesn't pay much I I own a trucking company you want to drive a truck for me on the side
3: you said where do I sign up was this the BYU linebacker or no
2: no, not the same Rob Morris. Nope. Got it. Uh, Pacers lose both this weekend. They are now 25-33 and 33 on the year. They've lost 15-17. of 17. Two to go until the All-Star break. It's the Jazz tonight over at Cambridge Fieldhouse. The Bulls on Wednesday. Uh, supposed to be the Pacers, I guess, debut for Jordan Wara, re-debut for George Hill. Um, but Tyrese Halliburton is questionable with a left thigh contusion. Miles Turner, questionable with back soreness. Jake, the Pacers are struggling mightily.
1: Somebody asked me yesterday, since you have won, it appears, the PBR Party 12-pack, six-pack from each of us,
5: that based is your beer on of choice, the right? coaching
1: draft. Yeah, actually, it's your beer of choice, really. Uh, but based on our draft of coaches, you took Steichen. Was that your first-round pick? Yes, uh, final pick in round one, yep. And it appears as though that's going to happen. So somebody asked me, they're like, do you need to double up for Kevin on that simply based on the fact that he may not be winning his Pacers Gosh, wager?
2: <laughs> I mean, can you imagine saying that? I, I really need one of these two this week. I think the Pacers are favored tonight, by the way.
1: 25 and 33.
2: I don't know if I can name three Jazz
1: players. Yeah, they traded them, right?
3: Yeah, Pacers, it's basically a pick em, though. Pacers are one-point favorites. Larry Markkinen, maybe? They yeah, traded yeah, everybody one.
1: else, huh? They traded everybody else, didn't they?
2: Pretty much. Uh, yeah. The Patriots gave up eighty to Washington on Saturday. DeAndre Ayton dominated Miles Turner on Friday. It was good to see Benedict Mathern getting you know his normal minutes. Isaiah Jackson actually played a little bit over the weekend. Again, I think those are some important things to keep in mind. Kevin Pritchard did have some comments trade deadline related. We can chat about a little bit later
1: with Bob Kravitz. Hold on, I got sidetracked. <laughs> What number Super Bowl was that, 57? Yep, Fifty-seven. Super Bowl 57 in the books, Kansas City 38-35 over the Eagles. Third Super Bowl title in franchise history for Kansas City as they hit a game-winning field goal, 27 seconds left. You all know what happened. You are all watching it. There were probably like 300 million Americans watching the game last night. But the real story is the guy on the sidelines that they showed several times Shane Steichen, Kevin, it looks as though Indianapolis could have their man.
2: Let's talk about that next. We'll get more into Shane Steichen here. Again, the report is he is flying to Indianapolis later today to make things official. Who are the Colts getting as their next head coach? We'll talk about that next and what is a very – it looks like it's going to be a nice temperature all week long here in Indianapolis. So, good start to this Monday morning. Kevin Acquary right here on 93.5-107.5
3: The Fan
5: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Cascali ribocyclib 200 mg at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about Kaskali ribocyclib 200 mg at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you <laughs>
2: I'm not going to lie when Rihanna broke broke this out I thought for a second is Kanye West about ready to show up and then Maddie quickly said to me I don't think the NFL wants to do that uh, and that was probably an accurate statement by Maddie Bowen there. Again uh, 38-35 Patrick Mahomes the MVP the Chiefs come back from 10 down at half and they win Super Bowl 57. The report, Jake, is Shane Steichen will be heading to Indianapolis later today to become the Colts' next head coach. You know, if we just focus a little bit on last night, and I think what you had to like about how Steichen handled that game, first off, and you really didn't need to see last night necessarily to point this out, but... I think you love just how aggressive and how diverse the Eagles are offensively. Their playmakers touch the ball in a variety of ways. I mean, how much, how great is like their tight end usage? I feel like Dallas Goddard was touching the ball in, in, in a bunch of different ways. But the moment after Jalen Hurts fumbled in the first half, that one kind of stood out to me. You know, Hurts fumbles, just a kind of a careless play by him. Huge play. Chiefs obviously returned it for a touchdown. And to start the very next drive, what does Shane Steichen decide to dial up? A design run for Jalen Hurts.
1: Be a goldfish, right?
2: You show total trust in your quarterback. Um, There's no wavering of that. You're committed to him. You know he's a great, great player. They do that. They get a big gain on first down. And I want to say the very next play, they took a shot down the field. I think it was the second shot. that They had the early A.J. Brown one that they obviously scored on. But I think that kind of stands out to me of this is a play caller in the biggest moment of his life, and a little adversity is thrown at him, and he doesn't waver from it. He's committed to his players. He's committed to his quarterback. And that's, I think, a really important message to send to that guy in that moment.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, You know, I I think the thing about Steichen, I don't know him well. I don't know him at all. But I'm saying as a coach, I don't know him well. It's not like – you know, this happens a lot where – we start to analyze guys once they once we have a pretty good idea they're in the mix but every coach when they get hired is an awesome answer right like this is oh man i am super excited and then it remains to be seen how how it pans out but there are certain things about him that are very likable one of them being Kevin, and this is what's interesting to me in terms of what coordinators Shane Steichen, and again, he hasn't signed anything that we know of, but all signs appear to be pointing towards that. Um, I think Gus Bradley, as you had mentioned, the fact that the Colts were telling other franchises that they were not going to allow them to interview Gus Bradley even for a lateral movement would lead you to believe that whoever they were honing in on as their head coach had expressed a desire to have Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator and as you had pointed out Steichen and Gus Bradley do have they are two ships that have passed in the night together so they do have familiarity there but he—if you look at the way he and Nick Seriani just kind of two young, energetic guys—does that mean now that he goes out and finds an O coordinator that that matches that same mold of him? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I'm very interested. To see, that's one of the questions I would have for him: is how does he plan on handling the offense and the plan there? Because you know, I mentioned this earlier that I thought was a big issue for Frank Reich is just kind of forgot at times he was the head coach, and you know, if you look at Shane Steichen's experience, Nick Seriani Seriani's an emotional dude, but I think Philadelphia has mastered kind of the situational aspect of the game. Again, they're uber-aggressive, and a lot of that is very quick decision-making that you have to make in-game. So I think that will be a question certainly to have with Steichen. He's got several years of history with Gus Bradley, and one year when they both were coordinators. 2020, the Chargers head coach, Anthony Lynn, um, gave the full-time offense coordinator role to Shane Steichen, that was when Justin Herbert was the Offensive Rookie of the Year. And uh, Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator for that 2020 season with the Chargers. So obviously some good signs point to that, being the player on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so to me, you know, questions that you have, because I love the quarterback background. And if you don't get quarterback right, the hire is never going to work out. So that to me is a huge, huge pro about the hire. The question for me, Jake, again, is just he is 37 years old. And this is different than just calling the plays. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni, by all accounts, it's kind of a Nick Sirianni offensive game plan, and Steichen picks and chooses off of that game plan. Uh, those would be some of the questions that I would have about him becoming a head coach for the first time in his life.
1: Okay, to go auxiliary on this, having nothing to do with actual X's and O's, and I know that sounds crazy, but for those who are interested in off-field things in terms of... What kind of guy? Because, you know, a lot of times the the coach of a franchise is somebody that's above and beyond just the person on the field because they're out and about, especially in, in a market like Indianapolis, a smaller town. Uh, Shane Steichen's married to what appears to be, I think they were college sweethearts. His wife also went to UNLV. Nina, correct? Correct. Uh, he is a native of California, Sacramento area. So a city kind of like Indy, even though it's, when you hear California, you think like, oh, man, that doesn't really relate to Andy. Sacramento kind of does. Went to UNLV, majored in media journalism studies, so he's going to be able to keep us on our toes, assuming he becomes the head coach here. Um, he and his wife Nina do have two children, one boy, one girl. His wife, who does uh, apparently some floral stuff, like floral arrangements, oh. has like a side business. Oh, bu- she, Busy week for her, busy day tomorrow for her. That's right, that's exactly right. And she also... Uh, from what I can see, pretty active in autism awareness and fundraising for children with autism. i love to see that. So probably some areas where she might get involved around the city of Indianapolis. But, uh, I mean, uh, look, it's, it's fresh, it's young, it's energetic. It's a little bit different than, like, the stale retreads of some of the other names that were out there. And it's
2: today's NFL.
1: It is that, yep.
2: It is today's NFL. Um, personality-wise, I think that's a question a lot of people have because, you know some of the frequent comments I got yesterday, Jake, was are we just hiring Frank Reich 2.0?
1: Seems to have a little more energy about him,
2: right? I would say he's, like, if Frank Reich is on one end of the spectrum and Nick Sirianni is the other, I would say Shane Steichen finds a nice balance in the middle of the two, maybe a little bit closer to Sirianni. I I don't want to act like this dude's going to be yelling at opposing fans and maybe crying during the national anthem, but I think he's got a little bit more fire on that side of it. Um, again, this is just from talking to some people and you know watching miked up sessions or you know various kind of coaching stuff. He does seem like he's got some energy, certainly, um, and a little bit of a different level of accountability, which we talked about quite often as kind of a big thing that Jim Mersey and Chris Bowd were looking for. We said this at the start, but if he does or if the Colts do make this official later today. Press conference tomorrow would kinda of be my assumption on that. I don't see any reason why he would sign the contract and then go back to Philadelphia for a day or two and like get his belongings. Yeah, especially and now then-
1: since they don't have like a parade. I mean yeah you know what I mean? Right. That is that's a good point to make on that. Would you wear let me ask you this. Um if God. you go to the Super Bowl you You're get a ring showing rim, that Mahomes right?
2: scramble that was such a huge play like,
1: I'll tell you one thing speaking of the scramble I was going to ask a ring question but before I get to that my my ADD kicked in there with that do they need to do something about and maybe it was an anomaly last night but you know they, they made so much about how much went into the turf and all of the treatment of the turf and they spent $800,000 for the perfect turf for the Super Bowl and then they painted it all over the place Terry Bradshaw made mention of this I thought it was a valid point do you remember when the Colts Hall of Fame game was canceled against Green yep, Bay? Because sadly, the I was there. Coagulation of the paint in the middle of the field. Did you notice how much people were slipping all over the place? Right. I mean, even Kansas City on one of the touchdowns. I think it was it might have been Juju Schuster. like Was like celebrating in the end zone and slipped, almost fell down. I, you could tell the paint on the field
2: well, hell, was seen clearly slippery. You see it in the NCAA, slippery, right? seen it the NCAA tournament, like the decals. Yeah. Yeah. Guys slipping on the decals. Yeah, Arizona's had field issues this season. Um, I thought Kevin Burkhardt did a good job of mentioning that. Harrison Bucker, their kicker, got hurt in that stadium week one. Um, And it was a big issue. Because remember when when the Chiefs played here in week three, remember all those kicking issues they had? That's right. And Bucker was not kicking for them. In that game. Well,
3: Jake Elliott almost twisted his ankle
2: just kicking off.
3: Boy, that was awful there.
2: I mean, the NFL got lucky that in the final, like, six to eight minutes. There wasn't an injury There wasn't, like, a big one. Right. Um, But, yeah, that was certainly a big part of the game. of course,
3: you think about that, then I'm like, gosh, both teams combined for 73 points in the game? Well, they said the issue was because it's so hot in Arizona during the day and it gets so cold at night, and then there's, like, precipitation because they had the roof open, and they said that might have played into it, too, where it was just. The grass didn't catch with the... With Did
2: the $800,000 idea not cover all these I, thoughts? I was, I was going to
3: say, I mean,
1: wouldn't you have kind of gone over... Like Like I always say, Mark, it wasn't raining when Noah built the
3: arc, right? Yeah. RIP to Oklahoma State's mentions, because they were touting before the game. That's our turf we put on the field. Enjoy the game. And everybody's like, oh, you might want to go back to the lab on that one. Well,
2: someone is saying, and I guess I, I feel like there were moments of this. TCU and Michigan played in there in the semifinal game. And there were some issues with slippage in that game. Now again, different turf, right? I, one would think, of but course. But I don't know if to Mark's point, if that's like a more of a climate humidity issue. I think it's such an ugly looking stadium
1: when they pan from the outside. Right. I mean it's in a if you've ever been there, it's like oh. in the plain field metropolis of yeah. Arizona.
3: You know the one thing I was hoping to see that we didn't get to see? I was hoping there was one guy that would interview Patrick Mahomes. After the Super Bowl and get the chance. Uh,
2: the real focus. Okay, it's not Patrick. That's why he ignored me in the beginning. But what is your name, sir? Paolo Television. Did you guys see the magic? What's the key part there, Mark? You, I know the audio. You good. buried the lead. I know. You guys see the magic? Tweet that out last night. A picture that of was fabulous. Paolo Boncaro. For those
1: that, for those that don't know, yeah, that was the Formula it. One race in Miami where Martin Brindle was doing the grid walk. Saw Paolo Boncaro. Thought it was Patrick Mahomes. Interviewed him as if it was Patrick Mahomes. And then realized it wasn't Patrick Mahomes. Cause, and he said, well, who, who are you? <laughs> and then as he walked away. I thought
2: there at the end, Andy Reid was going Joe Namath and going to kiss Tom Rinaldi at the end.
1: He actually said, I want to kiss you, right?
2: I was like, if this somehow, if this was Andy Reid's friends to saying to him, dude, if you win the game, you got to tell the sideline reporter that you want to kiss them. Can you imagine if that's like what happened.
1: And again, I'm going to belabor a point. I'm not trying to be the fun police. The guy just won the Super Bowl. He's an unbelievable talent. But Travis Kelsey, like when Patrick Mahomes is being interviewed by Aaron Andrews, have the respect for Aaron Andrews and the fan base that likes Patrick Mahomes to let the guy speak and let Patrick Mahomes answer the questions and let us hear from Patrick Mahomes instead of jumping around over everybody about how nobody picked you. The number one seed, and had to AFC cut
3: the audio too because he kept swearing. So I kept, was really tired of that whole. I, I think
1: everybody was man.
2: like reacting to Cincinnati and how they did. Okay, that's fine, but the whole like we're Cinderella. I mean, yeah, nobody believed in us. And, okay, I, like did Fox
1: call him over? There's no way if you're Fox, you want him I, with Mahomes, do you? I, I agree. He did the same thing on the stage afterwards when Terry Bradshaw was. I mean, it was just like, dude. Like I said... Gotta love Terry Bradshaw. Come here, big guy! To Andy Reid. How about when he says to Terry Bradshaw to Andy Reid, like, waddle over here! (laughs) (laughs) Only a guy that's got four rings can say that, right? I don't have all day. (laughs) I liked what Mahomes said to Terry Bradshaw when he said, is this a dynasty? And Mahomes said, "Ah, we're just trying to get to what you did. Pretty good Pretty good. Mahomes is
2: wired, exactly how you would want. All right. It is a beautiful start to this Monday here in Indianapolis. supposed to be a bit spring-like here this week, certainly for mid-February. Kevin and Query, 8 o'clock hour.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
0: Oh, trouble gets away
5: Mahomes racing
0: with the bad ankle at all inside the 20 he's taken down Townsend will hold it 11 seconds left in Super Bowl 57 35 35 tie the kick is good and Kansas City leads 38 35 with eight seconds to go in regulation in Super Bowl 57 here we go hurts all day now some rushers come gonna throw it as far as his arm can take it which is well short and the Kansas City Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57
1: Super Bowl 57 in the books, you're staring at me Oh, with a blank look on your face, Mark. That's every day. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Kansas City, 38-35 over the Eagles last night. And we've talked plenty about this over the course of the last hour. The big storyline from a local standpoint being that Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator for the Eagles, by all account, he will be the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, if there's one thing we know, certainly in this market, it's that uh, you never know until it is signed on the dotted line and the guy is in the building at the press conference, but it appears as though that is imminent for Indianapolis.
2: Can you imagine if he wakes up today? God, I, just, I just can't leave these guys. We got so close. I got Jalen Hurts. To the Colts' credit, it's not <laughs> like they've
1: announced it, right?
2: No, and I know we said this at the start, but just to kind of go over it, the Colts have made... N- the Colts haven't even confirmed it, Jake. It, typically what happens kind of peel behind the curtain a bit. You see these national reports that usually leak from agents and then to get the confirmation from the Colts side of it, you'll reach out to the Colts and you'll say, hey, you know, is this true? And the Colts will say yes and boom, it's confirmed. The Colts aren't even going there. Basically, I think this is Adam Schefter's simply process of elimination crossing off all the candidates that have been informed by the Colts that they are going in the direction... Of Shane Steichen. The latest from Adam Schefter this morning. Shane Steichen, the plan is for him to fly to Indianapolis today. Again, the Colts have a lot of their important people at the Super Bowl. So he could fly with members of the Ursae family, Pete Ward, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, if he wanted
3: to. And uh, put pen to paper later today. You're saying we should wait to give you your that. six-pack until there's actually like an introductory press conference? Is that what you're saying? I, I, I'd feel comfortable there. And I w- would kind of appreciate if you guys kind of surprise me, maybe, on the
2: six-pack of beer. Okay. Uh, Mark so, offered a six-pack of Natural Light. You said it's your choice. A what, Keystone Light? Oh, yeah, uh, That's a big college, which that'd be fitting. After Rihanna last night, all the college anthems that, that I heard from her, a uh, little Keystone Light. I'm sure I drank Keystone Light on many occasions to Rihanna back in the day.
3: I'd get you a 30-pack for like six bucks. I, you, you don't have to
1: tell me twice. oh well, there you go. <laughs> um, in terms of if you are going to... If Shane Steichen... Comes in here and has everybody enjoying a PBR party a year from now because the Colts are going to win the Super Bowl in his debut season. That would pay fairly healthy if you were to invest in it right now. I got up this morning and looked at the odds. I did this last year. Do you remember, Mark, when I I, I think I picked like eight teams? You, you had the Eagles, right? I had the Eagles. I, I had put, I think it was, I put $3 on them. On this day a year ago or the day after the Super Bowl, and it would have paid me 2 two two oh five or two oh eight yesterday. Uh, obviously that didn't come to fruition. But if you were to put two bucks right now on the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl next year and they were to win it, you'd make twelve bucks. The Bills would pay you fourteen. These were all on two dollar bets. The Niners would pay you sixteen bucks. Would you like to guess the number of teams that have bigger odds that would pay you more than the Indianapolis Colts? If you put two bucks right now on the Indianapolis Colts, it would pay you 300 bucks. They are 150 basically to one.
3: Oh, I've got better odds than that. What do you have? I've I'm on 20, I'm on DraftKings. I've got plus 25,000. So you bet two bucks, you get 500 for oh, the Colts. Really? Yeah. Okay. Which one's that? That's FanDuel. Okay.
1: Do you have how many? How many have bigger odds than the Colts or? Worse? Well, it has
3: changed because when I tweeted it out last night, they were tied. The Colts, Cardinals, and Texans were all tied for the longest odds. Yeah, I was the Colts odds have now sure. shrunk a little bit. The Cardinals and Texans are at plus twenty eight thousand.
1: A little surprised in the. See, Cardinals. I've got twenty plus twenty thousand for Arizona and Houston.
3: Those three teams, though, it's a wide gap because the next closest after those three are the Tampa Bay Bucks and Atlanta Falcons at plus seventy five hundred.
1: See, I've got the Bears at 8,000, the Titans, Falcons at 7,500, and then uh, Commanders and Seahawks. I'm a little surprised on the Cardinals. Yeah, because you feel like.
2: Like at least they have an established quarterback, not correct. to act like they're going to get a on some receiver, run, right? But, and we'll see who they hire as that opening. Uh, continues on that front. Um, I know there's a lot of Chiefs fatigue, but Jake, there's no way you can argue anyone has had a better start to their NFL career at quarterback than Mahomes, right?
1: Oh, totally agree. Better than Brady's, correct? Even with one less Super Bowl? I mean, what he does... I I think... the Listen...
2: Five AFC title game appearances, two MVPs, two Super Bowl
1: MVPs... Two Super Bowls. The ultimate testament to a player's greatness is when fans start getting tired of them. And the ultimate testament to their character is when, despite that, they are still well-liked. What Mahomes has going for him is he has a guy on his side of the ball that completely steals the thunder from him of dislikability in Travis Kelsey, See right? See the
2: Draymond green to Steph Curry? Uh,
1: 20,000 percent, yes. But Mahomes, at no fault of his, if there is something of which people are going to get fatigued by Patrick Mahomes, it is not going to be the Super Bowls. People forget when Tom Brady first won the Super Bowl, you know, the Patriots were a feel-good Cinderella story slaying the dragon of the St. Louis Rams dynasty. Venateri
2: said it to us on Friday.
1: That was a huge upset. Right. And, you know, it was, and Brady was very, you know, everybody loved Brady. But then you start winning enough and people are like, gosh, I'm tired of this guy. Well, I don't think Mahomes has that, but, and when I say this, people are going to kill me for it and tell me that I'm a hater and whatever else, and that's fine, and then if it happens again, I'll be right because people will be like, you know what, I hate to say it, but you're right. The The consistency of Patrick Mahomes always having some injury that he rises like a phoenix out of the ashes to overcome from every single game that he plays in, eventually he's going to wear people out. Yeah, it's a bit Lance Stevenson-like. I mean, it feels overly dramatic, even though I, I think legitimately his ankle was hurt. I mean, but yeah, I
2: I tend to agree with Daniel. People that are tired of Patrick Mahomes, they're more just tired of his wife and his brother. That's probably true, and and probably a little bit of Kelsey, if you want to throw that in. Yeah, there. I mean, as the third wheel, I I have no issues. It's funny, my sister in law came over yesterday to hang out with our kids before. She's a big sports fan. So she's talking about the Kelsey brothers and how great that storyline is, and I'm like, "Yeah, I've got nothing against Patrick Mahomes." She's like, "Oh, I can't stand him," but then when she explained why she can't stand him, it was all because of his, his brother and Instagram. his wife, right? You know, so
1: I think that's uh, to your point, so Jake. He, Jackson Mahomes is he's just an, a social media influencer, is that right? Yeah, and that's probably too big of a compliment for him. But yeah, um, hey, Jake, have you guys addressed how absolutely terrible the commercials were? I didn't. Did you find them terrible? A little pizzazz, maybe lacked, but I—I I didn't think they were downright terrible. Here, here's, here is one of the factors in that, and it's amazing to me because I remember like five years ago, all I heard about from everybody was how the, the NFL was dying on a vine and everybody, nobody was watching anymore and protesting the league and da 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 and they're getting seven million dollars. A 30 second spot. A 30 second commercial cost $7 million. For that reason, you didn't see a lot of 60s. And by that, and not to speak marketing terms here, but you didn't see a lot of one minute commercials, which would have cost you $14 million. And oftentimes in the past, the Super Bowl commercials that most resonated with people were like these mini biopics that would be like a 90 second commercial. Well, that would cost you $21 million. So. I think Madison Avenue basically said, we're just going to do, try to be to the point with a 30-second spot that just hits home who we are without getting into the long, drawn-out, overly dramatic, which is usually what resonates with people, commercials. Again, I thought the, the key to a great commercial is to make sure that people remember the product that you are promoting. Obviously, that is the point of it. And some of the advertisers I think tried too hard to get too creative. I agree that some of them just fell flat because they tried too hard to pack it all in. And then you forget what it's for. You're like, "Yeah, there was the one commercial with the funny guy that da, da, da. what was it for? I can't remember." I thought the most effective commercial was the one for the Farmer's Dog, which was the story of the girl with the dog and the lifespan of the dog and over, you know, and the bond with a dog and the and the owner. I you know, and then there was a really good one for Blue Moon. Which at the end just said, This is an ad for Blue Moon, and you knew it was for Blue Moon, and that was it. But for the most part, it, there were not any of the. We may be past the point in the Super Bowl of the long, always memorable, yeah, incredible two for two and a commercial. half minutes. Correct. We might be beyond all of that because of the fact that it's $7 million for a 30. Yeah, and I
2: get that she wasn't up there flipping or on fire or whatever, but I thought Rihanna, to be pregnant and to be performing in the Super Bowl, was incredible. Like, can you imagine prepping for the Super Bowl halftime show and you're going through your first trimester of pregnancy? Yeah, I
1: don't think that most. I mean, obviously, it wasn't until afterwards that she announced she was pregnant, right? Well, it's funny. If you go back
2: and watch her press conference from Friday, uh, Nate Burleson asked her, you know, will someone be joining you there in reference to, like, you know drake or jay-z or you know someone else on stage and she's like i might have somebody with me
1: that's pretty good yeah i you know which again credit to her she didn't make a big deal about it she's went up there i said this earlier great jam after great jam and i said this earlier this morning and i'm not a huge rihanna i don't dislike rihanna but like i'm not a fan but i knew every song right which is what you want um i thought the the platforms i mean at one point i was like is that like some sort of a CGI they're not really that high in the air are they because they're ha- they would have to be like at the end I started getting nervous yeah i was like they have to have like some sort of borders around them right I, that would make me very uncomfortable to be on the middle of it so kudos there but um i thought she sounded great even though I, you know people are like i think she's lip syncing well hello i thought she sounded great i knew every word that was cool the, the visuals of the platform was was cool I, you know but I thought the halftime show and the commercials, to that ex- for that extent, were very representative of Super Bowl 57, and by that I mean very, very good, very well executed, very well done, very entertaining, very little about it that 15 years from now I will remember. Yeah, I think we'll remember that she was pregnant. Well, that, uh, yes, but I'm saying in terms of the, the actual performance, right? You know, like... Of course the gold standard is Prince's performance for sure but but the game itself you know I said earlier it's like a roller coaster ride it was like the roller coaster ride where then you get to the end of it and the hydraulics come on and then it's like and you sit and you wait and everybody knows it's over and you know that inevitably the thing's going to lift up the armrest and you're going to get out that game had so many twists and turns and momentum shifts and great plays and unsung heroes and heroes that you expected to be heroes. And then the last three minutes of it, it was like the great letdown because you were anticipating this incredible shootout towards the end. And you're looking at the clock going, you know what, they're just going to go down and run this clock out and kick a field goal and we're all going to go home. And that's exactly what happened. Kind of walk into the foul line late in
2: a game instead of that game winner. You know, when you think back to last year in the Super Bowl, you know Cincinnati had that big penalty on Cooper Cup on a third and goal to keep the drive alive. The Rams would have had a fourth and goal from, you know, pretty far out. But then Stafford still throws a touchdown to Cup, so you still have that moment. And then when the Bengals get the ball and they start driving, you have the Aaron, Aaron Donald moment on the fourth down to end the game. You didn't get that last night, and we're gonna play that James Radberry clip here in just a second. He was the one that committed the penalty. But I go back to, you cannot gift, arguably, not even arguably, one of the greatest offenses in NFL history, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, you cannot gift him a fumble return for a touchdown like that, like they did in the first half, and then also give up the biggest punt return in Super Bowl history. And that is handing Mahomes 14 points. And when you do that, you play with fire. Even if you are scoring 35 like they did, on the penalty for me, again, credit to James Radbury for kind of admitting or saying, you know, I definitely tugged him, blah, blah, blah. It, it should have been called. I felt like it was so close to the line of scrimmage. You can let that play
1: on. And I, I agree on the first. He had two holds, though, Kev. You know, the. the but isn't there within five yards? It's a little bit of a grace period. Yes, but then he did it again. So he grabs the jersey initially. Did then, it truly impede Juju Smith Schuster? I think he did when Juju Smith Schuster started to turn to break, and that's where the, I think that's where they really emphasized it. So he grabs the jersey at first as they're in lateral movement. When Juju Smith Schuster turns to break up field, he then with his right arm reaches out and impedes his movement. I I agree with. Here is the thing. So I do, I, I, mean, I guess I'm at liberty to say this, I think I told you this before, there, there is an officiating website that officials have to go on to called RefQuest to get their games for the week at the college and, and high school level, not professional, but they have to log on to this particular website to get their game assignments, and to do their game assignments they have to watch certain videos of the week prior to's calls of question. And I do the voiceover work for, for a lot of those. I don't see the videos. I just get sent the scripts. I have the utmost respect for officials times 10,000 after having done this because if people could see the scripts that I have to read of the narratives of the lessons from one game to the next and the nuance of these plays and the intricacies of the rules, it is unbelievable. And I'm like, I don't know how in the world these guys and gals can remember this stuff. It is truly remarkable. And I guarantee they know more about the rules of the game than the, the overbearing, ridiculous, vicarious parents in the crowd. But that particular moment, I don't disagree with you, Kevin, that it was kind of ticky-tack and it probably happens a hundred times in a game and goes unnoticed. But if we are expecting and anticipating in the late moment of the Super Bowl that every player should be able to execute to the finest of the requirements of being a professional football player in that moment, then we should also expect and anticipate the same out of the officials. And in that moment, by the letter of the law, they saw a play that was a clear violation even by the violator's admission. Therefore, it should be called.
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly Bradbury's comments speak for themselves. I thought Juju Smith-Schuster not reacting. I mean, Juju is a very a emotional, very no emotional question. player, and you know, every time you see a wide receiver, especially in the open field like that, feel like they were held, they are going to flare their arms out and you know, be very demonstrative and trying to draw that flag. The fact that he didn't, I'm thinking to myself, boy, I, that to me is a big indicator of if that flag should have been thrown or not. Having said all that. The guy with the flag was um, thrown on did admit after the game that he committed a penalty. Here is James Bradbury afterwards. I mean that's not up for my judgment. You know I, I was hoping he would let it go, but of course you know he's a ref. He's a big game, um, and it was it was a hold,
3: so they called it.
2: Short and sweet, Jake. Kudos to him. He usually could have just been like, I don't think it was a hold. You know all of his friends and family are saying it wasn't a hold.
1: I mean, when he said... You know, it's kind of like this. Those double moves, boy. Was, Kansas City got them listen, all night long. I off. was going 72 and a 65. I just didn't think they'd call it. Kind of the same thing, right? Yeah, that's a good.
2: good way to put it. Uh, first time since... Is it before Kurt Warner that the regular season MVP has also won the Super Bowl? Wasn't it nine straight Super Bowls the regular se- thought, season MVP has lost?
1: Yeah, it was... I thought...
2: Was it Warner? I think I it, was it was before Warner. I think Warner started this streak. What about Manning? I don't think he won the Super Bowl in his MVP
1: year. Who won the MVP the year that was it? Who won the MVP that year when the Colts won the Super Bowl? We had nine straight years of
2: it of the Super Bowl um winner not being the regular season MVP.
1: Uh yeah I don't know two thousand Sean Alexander would it have been somewhere in there yeah that seems wasn't that the easy, year that Sean <laughs> Alexander had like what was it Larry, 75,
2: jo- Larry Johnson years? um did Larry Johnson run for a million H- yards that year?
1: Uh, Heinz Ward NFL oh, no, wait, MVP no, that's Super that's Super Bowl MVP sorry. Yeah, Heinz Ward was obviously never the MVP. Let's see here. By the way,
2: Bob Kravitz is going to join us at 9. Uh, we'll get into Shane Steichen here coming up in a few minutes. The latest on that is he's reportedly flying to Indianapolis later today to make things official with the Indianapolis. Uh, LaDanian Tomlinson, by the way. LaDanian Always. Tomlinson. Always a good bet that time of year. Uh, let's hit a morning check down.
0: <laughs> The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5
2: The Fan. All right, let's begin with Purdue going down yesterday to Northwestern. It was a 12-1 run to end the game by the Wildcats there. Uh, Purdue's turnovers that we've seen kind of rise here in the last few games certainly cost them yesterday. Zach Eady did have 24. He had six turnovers, though, the double teams, really got to Edie, and the freshman guards played like freshman guards. Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer combined two of 13. Braden Smith in particular had some brutal turnovers, especially late. Uh, they combined for five turnovers, those two freshmen. And I think that You know, Jake, and I guess we said this probably this time last year with Purdue, that is the question. When they don't turn it over, their offense is so efficient, as long as you're getting shots, you're either going to make those shots or you're going to get to the foul line. Purdue got to the foul line pretty early in the second half way too many turnovers to capitalize
1: on that Uh, up next for the boilers it is at maryland that is coming up on thursday on the indiana side of things hoosiers winning at michigan 62 61 saturday night they are at northwestern coming up on wednesday that's a big one at welsh ryan arena Kevin.
2: yeah winner of that second place in the big ten obviously indiana trying to even that season series after what happened in assembly hall earlier this year and how about the finish in hinkle on Friday night. Outstanding environment there. Rivalry, Butler and Xavier. It was a wild final minute. You had, for Xavier, Jack Nudgey gets whistle for a technical, thinking they had timeouts, the old Chris Weber play. Uh, then for Butler, Jaden Taylor thought they were up three when they were only up two. He fouled the Xavier player. And then Eric Hunter uh, gets the, I guess, the game winning goaltend, and they reviewed the play. I, I think it was the right call, but certainly was really, really close. A uh, fan storm the floor there. Butler upset Xavier and easily their highlight of the season.
1: Uh, NBA last night, it was Boston over Memphis, 119-109. The Raptors over the Pistons, 119-118. Tonight in the association, the Pacers at home taking on the Utah Jazz at the Fieldhouse. That game gets underway at 7 o'clock. Pacers trying to snap a four-game skid. Pre-game at 6.30 here on this network.
2: Sounds like George Hill and Jordan Wara will make their respective debuts with the Pacers. Of course, for Hill, it's the second time he's put on that uniform. Just two games to go until the All-Star break for Indiana. Tyrese Halliburton is questionable for tonight, as is Miles Turner. It'll be the Jazz tonight, the Bulls on Wednesday. How about George Hill, Jake? Just being totally content with kind of ending his NBA career in a
1: rebuild yeah i think he knows
2: he goes from the bucks of to the
1: pacers that's kind of wild george hill began his career in san antonio and has the the world of respect the highest amount of respect in the world i should say for greg popovich he loves popovich and he loved the tutelage that he got in san antonio and george hill who is a very mature guy always has been and a humble guy i think he sees it as full circle and appreciates the opportunity now to be able to give back to younger players exactly what he is very grateful for having received when he was a young guy in the league. You know,
2: when you think about guys at that point of their careers, Jake, it's go chase the ring. Right. And he's been close. I mean, he was close with what? Cleveland a few years ago. He was close with the Bucks, Obviously close to the Pacers. Um so, yeah, George Hill. Again, I will reiterate what I said on Friday. Kudos to George Hill. That's great that he wants to do this. Um, I don't need to see him on the floor. I think the Pacers need to continue to commit to playing their younger guys here over the final where they have 24 games the rest of the season. But that'll be interesting to see how Rick Carlisle handles things
1: on that Would you, front. speaking of rings, If like if you were a Philadelphia Eagle and you were not on the Super Bowl team of a few years ago, if you were a player who played in a super bowl or an nba finals but didn't win it and got the runner-up ring would you ever wear it anywhere if that was the 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 pinnacle no it'd be in the man cave you'd never wear it anywhere no what about a a team reunion
2: uh probably i don't know probably not i'm not a big ring person mark
1: no i mean i have my wedding ring that's about it you wouldn't wear an afc title ring no i think i would like what the hell? I mean, how many
2: people have one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think maybe like have bringing you ever seen
2: it him to like a speaking function? I can't say I've ever. Well, that's
1: what I mean. Like Roosevelt Colvin. Now, see again, Roosevelt Colvin. It's different because he has Super Bowl rings, right? But like he actually has. I did an event one time where he was present, and he brought like two of his rings for you know, for like kids to see, and one of them was the AFC Championship ring, and like it looked like a Super Bowl ring. But he's like, well, I have a Super Bowl ring too, so I can this is kind of the one that I can bring out, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe like show and tell with the third or fourth graders, but I probably wouldn't lock it. <laughs> okay. You wouldn't just like be Yeah, I've always said if you ever go to a Super Bowl, like next year the Super Bowl's in Las Vegas, if you go to Las Vegas and can you imagine? If you go to Las Vegas to go to the Super Bowl next year, look around and every guy that you see that is wearing a Super Bowl ring, you see some like fat seventy year old guy walking around, and he's wearing a Super Bowl ring and it's like, oh, you, you want a Super Bowl ring? Oh, yeah, that's the third string long snapper of the 80 Oakland Raiders. But yet, like Joe Montana and Tom Brady, those guys ain't wearing a Super Bowl ring. It's a lot. They don't have to, it's right?
2: A lot of weight to carry
1: there. Yeah, they don't have to. Especially
2: for Brady and Montana. Bob Kravitz going to join us at nine. We'll get more into Shane Steichen. If indeed he puts a pen to paper today and is the next Colts head coach, what and who are they getting in Shane Steichen? We'll explain more next.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
3: Mark, Noah, no disturbia last night. I know. I, my, I thought was she was like, going to end with that. I thought so too. But that just tells you how deep our catalog is. Like Air catalog is on the Yeah, I would say, Jake, for like Mark and I's age
2: group,
1: that is like peak college anthem rihanna yeah i could see that i mean again you you know i was thinking about this yesterday and this is the ultimate challenge in booking something like that and the ultimate compliment to someone like rihanna and that is who can you get to do a super bowl halftime show that you know people in their 20s are excited about and then people in their 50s and then their 70s at the very least know of the songs and most for the bat for the most part her every song that she sang i was like wow i know exactly what this is but it was you know predates me a little bit right Uh, it's
2: impossible to appease everybody we can't
1: even agree on what style doritos we truthfully the one entertainer That they've had in the, I mean, you you could always go with like the classics, right? That you know, the Prince when he was living.
2: But you're going to get twenty or thirty year olds that'll bitch and moan about that. that. That's
1: true. Um, The one entertainer that I have always felt is, I'm not saying that everybody loves this person, but I don't think you find many people that that can't stand them. And most people are like, okay, uh, the entertainment level is there, is Bruno Mars. Sure. I think he's a great entertainer.
2: And you and I have talked about this a lot, Jake. I have, I'm not like obsessed with really one genre of music, but you have such an appreciation for the entertainment level that they're able to execute. Totally. When you show up to those. Events Uh, Again, Shane Steichen, that is reportedly going to be the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He would be the youngest head coach in Colts, Indianapolis Colts history, at the age of 37 years old. I think that would make him the third youngest in the NFL right now behind Sean McVay and Kevin O'Connell, two guys that have had pretty good success uh, in their respective stops, even though O'Connell's only been in Minnesota for a year. You know, Jake, I think... Something that I like about Steichen that I think he would bring here or at least try to impart on Chris Ballard is if you look at Philadelphia last night, and you could, I think, make a case of the Eagles had they won the the game. Jalen Hurts probably is the MVP. I could have made a pretty strong case for A.J. Brown. Yeah. And if you look at what Philadelphia has at their skill positions, and Devontae Smith is a top 10 pick, and Dallas Goddard as a second-round tight end. I mean, if you look at Miles Sanders, they actually drafted him pretty high as a running back. They go out this year. They make the trade for A.J. Brown. They have not messed around with making sure that their skill group offensively is loaded and versatile and dynamic. And I mean, if you look at the A.J. Brown touchdown, that is just one dude just being better than those Chiefs DBs. It was a great throw by Hurts, but A.J. Brown, you watch him, he high points, finds the ball, makes a great play on it in the air, scores that touchdown. I think with Frank Wright, Jake, you got times where he walked into the kitchen, looked at the ingredients in the cupboard, and said, okay, I'm good. Whereas I think Shane Steichen's history could be a little bit more, I walk into the kitchen, and I'm going to write some things down on
1: the grocery list that we need. Well, somebody asked me last night, Jake, if Shane Steichen's the guy, does this mean that we're going to see more quarterback draws, uh, going forward on sneaks in fourth and one. And I'm like, yeah, but you got to understand. A lot of that has to do with the ro- the personnel. I think the aggression is always going to be there. It, it, understood. But what I'm saying is, in terms of, like, uh, for example, using Jalen Hurts in draw situations, a, a, a big part of that is facilitated by the fact that you've got to be aware of both guys on the edge because they have dynamic playmakers. Lining up. you know in other words, you can't just completely stack the box because you gotta worry about what's what then gets behind you. And I don't know that Shane Steichen looks at Indianapolis and says, I've got receivers here that are gonna keep every defense falling back a little bit. No chance.
2: I mean, hell, tight ends too. You know, I I think to that
1: no, I hate to say that Michael Pittman when he was drafted that Jalen Hurts was on the board, but
2: Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of debate, I think, internally over at West 56 about that one. Um, to the question that – you said that was a friend that asked you that, Jake? Like, what, what type Correct. of offense would they run? I, that, I think, is a little bit of the beauty in getting Steichen. It's that if you look at where he's been, and again, was Philip Rivers' position coach for several years, was his, I think, interim OC late in that 2019 season. Him and Rivers remain close. When you think of a Phillip Rivers offense, Jake – I don't think it looks like the offense you saw last night. And that's the beauty of it. He's called plays for a Rivers offense. He's been a part. That's probably where most of his coaching background comes from. Norv Turner and that Chargers offense. And then Anthony Lynn gets the job with the Chargers. He keeps Shane Sykin on staff. They draft Justin Herbert, six overall. And if you go back to Herbert's first season, remember the crazy... Tyrod Taylor injection story? Like, Tyrod Taylor, the Chargers medical team injected him with the wrong thing and he couldn't play in the game? I do remember that. So, Herbert was not the starter his rookie season initially. Then, you have that freak accident with Tyrod Taylor. Herbert starts week two and he ends up being just too good to take out of the lineup. And that is what Shane Steichen calling plays. And obviously, Herbert is a much different quarterback than Rivers. Herbert has... 30 touchdowns, 10 picks. He's the Offensive Rookie of the Year. A great season. So with Rivers, it's one offense. With Herbert, it's different. And then with Jalen Hurts, it goes to another level in what their offense has looked like over the last two years. And obviously, if you look at what's happened since Steichen has taken over the play calling in Philly, they get on a run to make the playoffs last season, the 2021 season. And then this year, Hurts is probably the MVP if he doesn't get hurt and they are just a play or two away from winning the Super Bowl. It's that variety of, like, I don't know exactly what offense the Colts are going to be getting in Shane Steichen because he's been a part of so many different offenses and different quarterbacks, styles, ages, etc. And to me, I think that is what is attractive because he has proven to be adaptive to who is under center. And I think too many times we get stubborn coaches that force-feed a system upon a player. And you, Mark and I, had this debate during one of the earlier breaks, Jake. Like, which quarterback is he going to be attracted to in the draft? You could compare all those quarterbacks to all three that he's worked with here
1: in the NFL. You and I disagree on this. You know the quarterback in the draft, to me, that most resembles Jalen Hurts? And that's C.J. Stroud. I know you said Bryce Young earlier. I I think C.J. Stroud is a Phillip Rivers-type pocket passer with legs. I think Stroud, correct, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think you can design plays for C.J. Stroud very similar to what you see in Jalen Hurts. You know, one aspect of Jalen Hurts, by the way, I want to go back to that I think is so underappreciated. And if you are driving right now, I realize we're probably an hour past the age where people would be in the car with their kids on the way to school, but if you have middle school-aged kids or high school-aged kids that participate in sports, then what you should be saying to them tonight at dinner or last night when you were watching the Super Bowl is you see that guy for the Eagles that probably would have been, well, undeniably would have been the Super Bowl MVP if Philadelphia had won and might have been the Super Bowl MVP regardless, but you see that guy on the field That's a guy that when he was in college was a starting quarterback that was playing for a national championship that got pulled midway through the game. And when the guy that he got pulled for went in and threw a touchdown pass to win the game, he was, Jalen Hurts, the very first player to exuberantly jump up and down and go and congratulate and tackle the quarterback that just yanked him out of the the starting roster now he transferred granted but in that moment he was the ultimate team player whose focus was on winning that's all he cared about was winning he didn't care about his whether or not he was the game-winning quarterback in that game he cared about the fact that his team won the game and when you look last night that guy is the ultimate leader and that's what you want you want kids to be able to look at a Jalen Hurts and learn that sometimes when a coach makes a decision, it's for the best of the team, and you respect that decision as opposed to sulking about yourself. And it paid off for him in the long run because he's going to make a ton of money, and he is a guy that embodies winning, even though his team didn't win last night.
2: Yeah, I think it's worth repeating to you. I couldn't agree more on Hurts. and you, you, you see the son of a coach in him, Correct. and he's that. You certainly see that. But I thought a great moment that Shane Steichen had was just on the careless, frankly awful, fumble return for a touchdown. That is a moment where you can sulk. That is a moment that how do you not let yourself walk to the bench and think, oh my gosh, I just handed Kansas City seven points. Shane Steichen immediately comes back to Jalen Hurts. And the first play after that fumble is a design run for Hurts. Not worried about your ball security, not worried about you, you know, whatever, taking a hit or you being hesitant. We're going to continue to do what we do, and I have the utmost faith in you. And I want to say the very next play after that first down run following the fumble, I think they took another shot deep. And there were some questions entering the game about Hurts' shoulder. I mean, that was a worry that I had. I, I ended up you know, picking the eagles but i was like man his hurts totally there that shoulder had no issue and he made some big time throws whether it was down the field those balls to dallas goddard yeah this is a uh, this is a super bowl matchup jake that would not shock me at all if we saw it again
1: yeah i mean that's certainly fair for both standpoints right uh i know casey wanted mark casey want to talk about the eagles
3: yeah i want bit? to know about their offensive personnel compared to the whether it was coaching or whether it's actually the personnel that's built mm-hmm. around them. it's a fair question. What's up, Casey?
4: Yeah, Kevin. I mean, to your point on the offensive personnel, how much of this coaching staff in Philadelphia who's only been there two years played a role in it versus Hallie Roseman being aggressive? And will Chris Bauer be aggressive no matter who the coach is and they go after personnel like that?
2: Yeah, It's a terrific question. It's a terrific question. I think he has a coach that will be more demanding of wanting that personnel, I think Frank Reich was too content. I think Frank Reich looked at himself too often and thought, I can make it work. And I think that is that was an issue. I think you will have, hopefully, a GM that's been humbled a bit and realized that, wow, we could probably use a little bit more at those spots. Um, so there is an element in Jake of, like again, how much is a personnel, how much is it not. But at the same time, Jalen Hurts wasn't a top 50 pick. I mean, you had to develop him, himself, and I think they've done that. They've certainly helped him from a personnel standpoint, but they've also developed him as a quarterback. They've catered to him offensively. I think they've done some things to put him in a really, really advantageous situation.
1: And the point that we were talking about earlier as well, if Shane Steichen's the guy that's coming to Indianapolis, there were multiple reports that the Colts have said, we're not going to let other teams... Call Gus Bradley because we have coaching candidates that would be interested in having Gus Bradley stay on as the defensive coordinator. Uh, it would appear as though Shane Steichen would be one of those guys.
2: Yeah, he has history with Gus Bradley. Again, four years with the Chargers. They both were coordinators against each other, if you will, with the Chargers in the 2020 season. And I I do think, Jake, it's worth noting that while I understand why the Colts would want to keep Gus Bradley. I do think they need to let Shane Steichen handle the defensive coordinator process however he wants to handle it. I don't want to see anybody forced upon Shane Steichen. I mean, he is the head coach, and yes, he has history with Gus Bradley. Um, I think their relationship is pretty good, so maybe that will be the route that he wants to go down but I also feel like you need to make sure that you let the head coach pick and choose the staff members that he wants to choose. And if he wants to vet a few more candidates at that defensive coordinator spot, by all means, I'll be curious to see if Bubba Ventrone is retained. And what about Reggie Wayne? I saw Reggie Wayne was in the Ursay suite for a brief period last night at the Super Bowl. Will he be brought back?
1: That's a good one because he's got a year left on the deal,
2: right? Uh-huh. Yeah, a year left on that contract. Uh, Bob Kravitz is going to join us here in about 10 minutes on what is a gorgeous Monday here in Indianapolis.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
2: Uh, Bob Kravitz join us in a few. Whole lot to get to with Bob. We'll certainly hit on Shane Steichen. A busy weekend, college hoops wise. Saw a court storming at Hinkle, a court storming against Purdue, which seems to be the norm now when Purdue loses. Uh, North. The ultimate Western.
1: compliment, right? Certainly.
2: Show sure you got a hell of a program when that's that is pretty consistent, and obviously Indiana getting a road win up at Michigan. I thought um something that. I hadn't really put a whole lot of stock into until she mentioned this last night, Jake. Aaron Andrews, kind of like the last sideline hit she did before the game started. They asked her about Mahomes and the ankle. And she mentioned that Patrick Mahomes said something to her this week that, again, once I heard it, I was like, yeah, I, I, I guess he's right. Mahomes said to Aaron Andrews, this is a really big game for me for the obvious reasons, but also because... I've played pretty bad in my two Super Bowls. If you look at Mahomes, whether it was against Tampa Bay or against San Francisco, sure, they came back and beat San Francisco, but his numbers were very, very pedestrian. Borderline not good in either of those two Super Bowls. You look at him last night, how many people do you think lost their parlays on Patrick Mahomes not even sniffing his over and passing yards? What did he end up with? He had 182 yards which is one of the lowest amounts of his career, regular season, right. playoff, whatever. And Jake, I thought he was borderline brilliant. I totally agree. I Efficient, mean, Efficient, totally dink and dunk a little bit. I know it's kind of a negative connotation.
1: Well, but and when, when it came down to it, was there any question in your mind that they were going to go down and score?
2: Right, zero. Obviously, what they did to start the third quarter, the entire second half, um, he finished the game with three touchdowns. His full stat line, 21 of 28. So that's a pretty good percentage, of course. 182 yards, and I thought maybe the biggest part of it, six carries for 44 yards, and that 26-yard scramble there to put them into game-winning field goal range, that was the longest
1: rush he's had all season. I mean, of quarterbacks that have been in multiple Super Bowls but yet never had a great Super Bowl performance, you know one of them, don't you? Mm-hmm. People around here don't want to say it, but let's be real. Dominic Rhodes was the right. MVP of the yep. Super Bowl. Him and die should have been the co-MVPs. And, and the Denver defense is what won Manning his second Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, he had to get him there. I I, I get it. Zero
2: sacks. Big last night as well. I thought the Philly D-line would be able to get after Kansas City a little bit more. But they did not. They were not able to do that. It's amazing how Travis Kelsey gets so consistently open.
1: You know, they, they did a really good job of showing that and, and explaining that last night I thought early in the game. He is such a difficult matchup and a unicorn player. I mean Travis Kelsey is he is a game changing player because he is nearly impossible schematically to to plan for I just wish he wasn't so... like. And again, he's probably a pretty fun dude. But afterwards, I mean... uh, Yeah, his
2: brother seems much more... I'd like to hang out with you pretty much every day of the week. His brother's the polar opposite. Unless I'm going to a bachelor party in Vegas. And even the bachelor party in Vegas, Kelsey might be a bit much. (laughs) Like... He's the
1: guy... Yeah, let's do the pool party. Let's start it at 9 a.m. You know, the most amazing thing about Travis Kelsey, just because of his, like, overly boorish, meat-headed type behavior, is the fact that he grew up in Ohio and didn't go to Ohio State. Cleveland guys, right? Yeah. Like, that guy, absolutely... If if Ohio State fans want to know why... Because I've had people that are Ohio State fans, some of my dear friends are Ohio State fans, and they're like, why do people, like... Think that we're like? Why do they stereotype us? And I'm like, it's just a behavior. Travis Kelsey, folks, that that's that's how the rest of the conference looks at Ohio State. That that like I have to constantly be the loudest, most boorish guy. He wasn't super highly recruited, right? No, he was a quarterback primarily in high school, I believe. A quarterback, and uh, I think he played some line with his brother in early years. Absolutely phenomenal talent. And a first-ballot Hall of Fame tied in, no yeah, question. And his
2: brother should will probably be a first-ballot Hall of Famer as well. Um, we'll see if his brother hangs it up. He's been in the league a little bit longer than that. But, yeah, hate him, whatever. Mahomes and Kelsey, one of the best pass-catching duos the NFL no has ever seen. All right, Bob Kravitz is going to join us in a few minutes.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: Holmes in trouble. Gets away. Mahomes racing with the bad ankle and all. Inside the 20. And he's taken down. Townsend will hold it. 11 seconds left in Super Bowl 57. 35-35 tie. The kick is good. And Kansas City leads 38-35 with eight seconds to go in regulation in Super Bowl 57. Here we go. Hurts. All day now some rushers come gonna throw it as far as his arm can take it, which is well short. And the Kansas City Chiefs
4: have won Super Bowl 57.
2: Only thing
1: there is trouble in paradise. Todd Meyer, executive producer of this station, diehard Purdue fan, just came in, said that the inability to hold on to the basketball for Purdue is an area of concern, and he is now predicting that Indiana is going to win the Big Ten. He just came in here and said, well, get the banner ready. Was that reverse psychology? I, he he was just asking me if I have any extra IU basketball shirts. He's like, "You got any extras laying around? I need to. I'm ready to convert."
2: Well, let's let's pose this question to Bob Kravitz. Bob Kravitz joins us now from the Athletic. Bob, on February 13th, the percentage chance you give Indiana of winning the Big Ten is what?
4: Ten percent. Ten percent. I think I think Purdue's just fine. This is a blip in the road. Think you know the freshmen? Freshmen are starting to act like freshmen a little bit. You know, certainly Braden Smith. Um, but yeah, I, I still now. If you ask me, who's going to go further in the NCAA tournament? I think
2: it's going to be Indiana. Yeah, and yeah. you said that last week to us. Oh, really?
4: Am I just repeating myself? Oh no.
2: no. <laughs> what I was trying to say is you you have been you've been saying this before. What we saw with yeah. Purdue at Northwestern right. and what Indiana did last week
4: yeah I, I thought Indiana's victory was so so impressive because they really played their b game. Uh, they went into a hostile hostile territory uh, against a team that absolutely had to win and they they knocked them off. They didn't play great, but they beat them and if you can start beating teams on the road in the big ten not playing your best, you know you got something special brewing.
1: Bob, let's stick with Indiana here. Kevin and I have talked about the fact that, you know, Trace Jackson Davis is having a remarkable year and they simply needed it felt like from an Indiana standpoint, they needed a consistent robin. And each yeah. guy kind of took their turn. Is Jalen Hood Shafino now finally turned the corner of finding that consistency?
4: Yeah, I think he has. You know, I mean, again, freshman or freshman, he's still he's still not consistent. Especially on the road, you go back to the Maryland game, a couple other games where he really struggled. But, I, you know, I, I love him, and, you know, I talk to NBA people, and he's, he's probably the highest-rated NBA guy uh, on, on that team. Um, you know, even higher-rate's Jackson Davis. I, I think they look at him as, as a real player, you know, rotation player at the very least uh in the in the nba so yeah i i i think he's turned the corner i think it took him a couple of games after xavier johnson got hurt what's going to be interesting is if and when xavier does come back how is it how does all of that play out
2: yeah i think that is a huge question um and a fair one to ask and bob kravitz with us here from the athletic uh bob on the shane Steichen front is it are you under the impression that we could get final word this is a done deal later today
4: yeah, that's that's my sense. Uh, apparently, he he's coming to India, or he's already in India. I don't, I don't have one of those flight trackers, but but because uh, uh, that's what it's come to in, in today's journalism. But uh, uh, yeah, I expect him today. Uh, whether the press conference will be later today uh, or tomorrow, I don't know. All I know is clearing my calendar and uh, concentrating on Shane Steichen, who I think it is you know. You look at his background with quarterbacks. Not only has he worked with Rivers, uh, Herbert, and um, uh, 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 yeah, Belfius, Hur- yep. It was a long, it was a long day yesterday. Uh, but he's worked with different types of quarterbacks. He's worked with guys who work from the pocket. He's worked with running quarterbacks. So I think that was, you know, that was probably the best option for them to get kind of a young, state-of-the-art quarterback whisperer and just hope that, you know, I mean, that sounds like Frank Reich, basically, but you hope that he's more, a little bit more of a leader of men, that he's able to hold people accountable, because that seemed to be the thing that uh, ownership uh, had the biggest problem with was a lack of accountability.
2: Bob, what do you think um, Jeff Saturday will be doing in three or four months?
4: I think they'd like to keep him somehow. You know, and, and look, you don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't have an offensive line coach right now, correct?
2: Yeah, Maham, uh-huh. sounds like Chris Strauss are going huge. To- I just don't think Saturday, I, I, I don't know if the Saturday ego would revert to position coach. Yeah, I don't know
4: either. And, you know, I haven't talked to him about that. It really depends on how deeply... You know whether this is an all-or-nothing proposition or if he was just trying to get his foot in the door in a very unusual way. Um, I think three months from now, he's back on the set at ESPN.
3: Yeah, that's that, what I think.
4: That, 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 that's my guess. But, uh, you know, uh, it, he tried. <laughs> God bless him, he tried.
1: You know, I think the interesting thing, I guess, for Bob Kravitz, by the way, who is our guest on the Payless stickers Hotline, or you, Kevin, and that is I, Shane Steichen. I mean, who does he bring in as an offensive coordinator? You know who, who's. Well, I think that's a question I have. Is like, will he call plays?
2: Because right. to Bob's point, I, and, and this is something I've said before, I think something. I think Frank just got two and over his head with the play calling an offense and lost track of being a head coach. At well,
4: at, at yeah, times. That's, that's entirely possible, and and, and I think likely. Um, you look at what Nick Sirianni did. Nick, uh, when he got to Philadelphia, he started out as the play caller. And I think it was in 2021, he gave the play calling over to Shane Steichen so he could take more of a uh, 3,000 foot view of the game and be more of a game manager and be more involved with special teams, defense, and the offense. So I, I've always been, I've always preferred that the head coach just be the head coach. But, you know, it works for some people. You know, Andy Reid calls the plays and. He's doing all right, so I just think it takes a a better a veteran coach to really pull that off. With a first time guy, I don't know what a great how great of an idea that necessarily is.
1: You know, Bob. Whenever you have a young coach, that and you know, by all account, if it's Shane Steichen, it appears as though that's the case. So, a young guy that's that's a first year coach. What areas do you think it's critically important? That the franchise makes sure they then get hires around him right. In other words, Gus Bradley, it would appear, is going to be retained yes. as the D coordinator. How important is it to have kind of older guard guys maybe around a younger head coach to provide that professional footing early?
4: Yeah, I think I think that's a big thing. Uh, you know who those who those people would be. I I don't know, but um, yeah, for a first-time coach. Uh, I want him, I want, you know, I mean, obviously Vic Fangio is available, but, you know, guys like that, guys who are a little long in the tooth, who have, uh, you know, gone through the wars in, in the NFL and, and know know the landscape. So I think that that would be a great idea.
2: Yeah, mean you saw Wade Phillips and Sean McVay, you know, back when he took the Rams job a few years right. ago. Again, Bob Kravitz with us here from The Athletic. Bob, last one on the Colts front for me, and I guess I got two. Do you think Jim Irsay? Mercer- Listen to the fan base at all in regards to Jeff Saturday? And then, two, what are your thoughts on how Jim Merce has let Chris Ballard handle this head coaching hiring process?
4: Yeah, I think this is a really clear sign, or at least a hopeful sign, that uh, Chris Ballard uh, has, you know, retained some of his power that maybe he lost. You know, maybe I'm going a too far and reading too much into it. But, you know, look, if it was Jim Ursay, um it would have been Jeff Saturday. It would have been Jeff Saturday, but uh, I think it shows that Ballard, I mean this was clearly a very very thorough uh, uh, you know investigation into these guys, I mean 12 and 13 14 hour interviews for God's sake um so yeah I I think I think it shows that Ballard maybe has some of that power back because I don't think that this is. No, you know, I would have loved to have been a fly on that meeting when when Ballard went in and said, uh, uh, Mr. Ursa, uh I think I've got my guy. You know, uh, I don't know what the reaction would have been, but uh, I think it's good that Jim gets the hell out of the way.
1: And do you believe, Bob, by all account, if it's Shane Steichen, it would appear that's the case? It but, would. But do you think that that's exactly what took place, or do you think there were long discussions?
4: I think really long discussions. I, I, I mean, look, you don't, you don't take Jeff Saturday out of the studio at ESPN and bring him in for just an eight-game uh, audition. I, I think Jim really hoped that it would work. Does he listen to the fans? I, I think he's aware of what the fans are saying. I think he's very aware of what the media is saying. I think he's smart enough to understand that if he had hired Saturday – all hell broken loose. So, did that have any impact? I don't know. Um, but, you know, I mean, he does things instinctually, and sometimes, you know, the the fans didn't want to get rid of Peyton Manning, and he did that. So, you, you never know.
1: Bob, you, Bob Kravitz is our guest. He's on the Payless Lakers Hotline. He is with The Athletic. Um, I think you probably know Jim Ursay as well as anybody that covers the Colts in this market. As a matter of fact, I don't think that. I know it. I mean, you know him better than anybody. Um, Do you believe that this is a a different Jim Irsay than even during the Frank Reich go-round? Have things changed with Jim Irsay?
4: Uh, We will find out, won't we? You know, uh, right now, I mean, this one move tells me that maybe he took a step back. But if... They draft a quarterback, and he's god-awful through the first four games. You know, is that when Jim Irsay suddenly appears, sees his shadow, and says, we're going to make a quarterback change? So I'll believe it when I see it. I, I think he went on a real weird hour trip there for a while that was almost, you know, it was hard to understand where it came from. But he went on this power trip. And I think, you know, destroyed whatever small chance that team had to be competitive. Um, now, whether he'll continue to do that, we can only hope so.
3: And
2: Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. Bob, one of your latest up there on the Pacers and the trade deadline and Kevin Pritchard's comments from late last week. What did you make of what the Pacers did or maybe didn't do? Although it sounded like. They tried to make some big deals.
4: They tried to make some big deals, but, you know, everybody wanted Ananobi. Everybody wanted John Collins. And all those guys stayed exactly where they were before the deadline. So, you know, and, and there's not there's not much that they can offer outside of those, the, the, you know, the 27th and the 29th pick. Um, certainly because they're the below, below the salary cap, they can take on salary. But I... It, what happened was what expected to happen, which was a little tinkering around the edges. You know, uh, Jason, or uh, Jason, Jordan Moore um, is a guy they've liked for many years, over the three years he's been in the league, and they liked him at Louisville. Um, you know, maybe he ends up being like an Aaron Neesmith, a guy who got buried on a really good team, who comes here, gets an opportunity, and plays much better than you ever would have expected. So, you know, Why not take a $3.4 million dollar flyer on him? George Hill will be a great uh, locker room guy and a great, uh, you know, great for the community. Um, You know, hopefully he retires here. So, and they gave up nothing. So, you know, it was a, they, they tinkered. They were neither buyers nor sellers. And I really think, and I've said this before, I think Halliburton getting hurt and them losing, what, 10 out of 11, now it's I think 15 out of 17 or something like that. It's the best thing that could have happened to this franchise Yeah, because because if if he had stayed healthy, and and Pritchard acknowledged this, if he had stayed healthy and they had continued on the same trajectory that they were when they were 23 and 18, they would have had a really hard time resisting the temptation to go out and get a veteran to get him over the top. To get them in whatever the seventh seed or the eighth seed or the playing game, and I'm glad that didn't happen. This is this is unfolding exactly the way the Pacers would have wanted. In that their young guys are developing really nicely. I'd like to see a few of them get a few more minutes. Isaiah Jackson, but you know they're they're really developing. They're playing pretty well. They're competitive and they're losing just enough. Where they're now, I think, top or bottom five uh, for Nimbai, Wimbanyama. And make no mistake, this is a really deep draft.
1: You know, Bob, I was a little, the, the one area that surprised me a little bit was the fact that they held on to, because they have the two late first picks and the first pick to begin the second, or, or one of the first picks to begin the second round. So they're going to have three picks between, like, picks 25 and 32 in the mm-hmm. draft. I, I thought maybe Indiana would try to flip one of those uh, to get, like, another young piece. Maybe now you, you go through it in the draft, and then you've got to kind of juxtapose your, your roster to make room for it. But, you know, I just – I commend them for not getting too aggressive – and right. buying in too much to what we saw the first half of the year, and it sounds like you agree with that.
4: Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I like I said, I said to Pritchard, I said, you know, I, I, we we had a, you know a conversation. I said, <laughs> like I said before, this is the best thing that could have happened. You get you, you get both things you want. You get you find out that you've got young players who you can win with, and you're you know they clearly need another piece uh you know in terms of high-end talent they need two or three mostly that one and that's a, the guy that they can pick in the top five or top six or you know who knows who knows i mean if you go in there with a nine or ten percent chance you could be to bring home in and suddenly indiana becomes becomes the center of the basketball universe
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that, Bob. You think back to last year, like, if you don't finish with the sixth overall pick, are you drafting Johnny Davis at 10? Oh, now in the
4: G League. Right.
2: You know, it's just crazy how, when you look at, you know, the pecking order of draft classes, how things can change, particularly early in the lottery. Uh, Bob, I assume we'll be looking for something change second related from you?
4: Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to get in touch with some folks uh, with some background. We'll find out at the press conferences today, and uh, we'll go from there.
2: Thank you, Bob. All right, thank you, guys. It's Bob Kravitz on Super Bowl Monday morning, joining us right now. Jake, if you look at those picks, you just mentioned it: uh, twenty-six overall, thirty overall, and thirty-one overall, and that goes with
1: Indiana currently having the sixth pick now in the draft. I'm in agreement with Bob. However, <laughs> recently I had said here that I think it's a deep draft and in particular, a deep lottery. And immediately, those that would know better than I who make their living in that department sent me a thing that said, not so fast. Yeah, you got some pushback on that, didn't you? Yep. (laughs) That's not to say that that pushback was correct, but...
2: I think one thing that I do like about what I've seen so far in this draft class is, okay, let's say Victor Webanyama goes one. Scoot Henderson... The point guard in, for the G League Ignite right now goes two. If <clears throat> if you look at like what would be there, kind of in the three to ten range, there's kind of a lot of those six, seven, six, eight, six, nine wing guys. Mitch with Alex Golden last week. Brandon Miller from Alabama and Alabama right now. Now that Purdue's falling a little bit, they're playing. Probably better than anybody in college basketball. I'm um, Ben Thompson, who's with Overtime Elite. Those two guys are two guys I really like. But that should be good news for the Pacers because to me, that's what you're missing: six, seven, six, eight, six, nine type of wing player. Uh, that will be something that should be advantageous for them come draft time. Again, it's the Jazz tonight and the Bulls on Wednesday. Kevin Pritchard did mention this on Friday, Jake. He was pretty adamant that they had two goals going into the deadline. One was being super active and aggressive and trying to acquire a big piece. And he said they made offers, which there are reports out there. They offered Toronto all four four of those picks, I think including that Houston pick, for OG Ananobi, and Toronto said no. And then the other goal was use your cap space to acquire some picks, maybe a young talent and that's what they ended up doing with Jordan Waltonium. And then uh, getting those second round picks to take on the George Hill Serge Ibaka.
1: They've already waived Serge Ibaka by the way. They could be really loaded in two or three years. And I know that that doesn't do anybody any good right now, but uh, it's a better situation to be in than you know quite frankly like where the Colts are, right? Where you're kind of stagnant no, it's, and you're I mean
2: I mean Jake it's amazing the 12-month hope Indiana's created since last year at this time. Yeah. And right now, we'll see if Penn gets to put to paper later today, it's the Colts' first step into that hope. By the In way— They have a coach that has a background that fits exactly what this organization needs considering the void at quarterback right now.
1: Rob and Broderpool sent us this. One of the prop bets you could do before the game was whether or not the final play of the Super Bowl would be a quarterback kneel down. <laughs> I saw him email us I mean
2: so pretty much you're in good shape as long as the losing team ends the game with the ball right
1: is no you were in if, well if you bet
2: yeah Rob Rob said he bet for no
1: kneel down oh okay then yeah I mean you had to hope that it wasn't a blowout and that the winning team didn't end with the football right I know he
2: had some pressure in his face not a lot of umph on the old yeah. Hail
1: Mary heave what there. was that I mean I thought they would have at least tried to throw like a I mean when you've got like Brown and just the way it was I thought they would have at least tried to throw like a slant and then do a couple of laterals well, or something honestly, like that. Honestly,
2: right? when he threw it, I think we all could tell it was short. I thought for a second there did they send like two really deep force all the Kansas, Kansas City That's what I mean. Defensive backs to go deep and then maybe it's like Brown and whatever. Miles Sanders a little bit shorter and now you're playing like the hey, you come tackle us And we might pitch it a couple times, game.
1: That's exactly what I thought was what they were going to try to do. And it was just like, wait, what? What are we doing here? I'm trying to
2: think. Do you guys remember? Was it a delay of game issue? Philadelphia only had two of their timeouts there late. Was that why they took one of them earlier in the second half? so. Yeah, they they were cutting it close a couple times. They were. And sometimes they just let the delay of game happen. Yeah. And Olsen, I thought, pointed out.
1: Olsen was really good. I think he's very good. Yeah. I, I don't.
2: And I thought Pereira did a nice job in interjecting when they needed him to from an officiating standpoint. I still don't know what a catch is. Yeah, we got issues there.
3: That's only 2023. You can't be expecting to know what a catch is in the NFL with all these technological advances. I thought the Devontae Smith
2: one should have been incomplete, but I thought they were right on the Dallas Goddard one. He did kind of
1: possess that against his helmet. That was like David Tyree-like. I got during the... um, What play was it where there was a catch that was then immediately ruled a fumble?
2: the Miles Sanders yeah, one yeah a little like flat pass to him that was returned that for touchdown no, been the second is return is that what it,
1: yeah anyway a buddy of mine who's an Ohio State fan you know that was a, a critical play in the Ohio State Clemson game 4 years ago with Justin Ross and immediately you're bringing it to Ohio State this morning immediately <laughs> he texts me see i you know you're the expert i guess you consider that a catch to, or a and i'm like look man i that was 4 years ago i, I mean i've slept like 7 times since then Speaking of I mean speaking of Ohio State, is Chris Holtman about ready to get the axe? Nah.
2: Rebuild year, right? Rebuild with that talent? That's what I was told. Let's get into South Bend, baby. Tough one for Notre Dame. They gave up ninety three on Saturday. Who who scored ninety three on them? Uh, Virginia Tech. Notre Dame scored eighty seven.
1: That's the offensive juggernaut of Virginia mm-hmm.
2: Tech, right? Yeah.
3: Mike Young has had Mike Bray's number. Poor Wild to Harry Heestand who's uh retiring, by the way. Saw that. Mm-hmm.
1: NFL. Quentin Nelson
2: one time demanded to Chris Ballard that he hire Harry Houston.
1: I think Notre Dame should hire our buddy Randy Bennett. The Colts did not. Kevin would be all over that. Narrator voice. Would you
2: take Randy Bennett? I I could get behind Randy Bennett. and I know this is stereotypical, Jake. I think in college basketball, in particular at Notre Dame right now, you're going to need someone that has some crazy young energy to embrace what college basketball is all about. Notre Dame is not big with NIL to begin with, and certainly they're not going to be big with it with their college basketball program. So that would be my concern there. But no, what Randy Bennett's doing at St. Mary's
1: is... I mean, it's every year, rest. right? I mean, they're top 20, right? Yeah, they did lose, though. Uh, lost to After they beat Gonzaga, they lost to Loyola Marymount. Ooh. They're 21-4 and four now. Counting their chickens
2: there? I guess. Um, All right, let's hit a morning check down before we get to the pop quiz.
0: The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All
1: right, we'll begin with college basketball. Yesterday, Purdue, number one in the country. Falling short in Welsh Ryan Arena up in Evanston. Northwestern, 64-58. Wildcats now 18-7, and 9-5 and in the Big Ten. That is good enough for second in the conference. And Purdue, of course, at 12-3. Indiana with a chance against Northwestern to get themselves right into that second-place situation in the Big Ten. Three-game win streak for Northwestern. Uh, Boo-Booey had 26 points, and as I had mentioned earlier, and the joke that I'm very proud of, then made prank phone calls for Howard Stern. Uh, Chase Hottage had 15 Purdue's Zach Eady with 24 points Braden Smith with 10
2: Yeah, the other College basketball notes from this weekend Indiana in really what was one of the uglier final five minutes you'll ever see offensively against Michigan uh, I guess Indiana was less ugly than Michigan down the stretch they did play very good defense on the final possession of the game they win 62-61 that is a road victory and that's is that 8 of 9 now Playing well, man. For Indiana, uh, Xavier Johnson is out of the boot. I know we talked about this with Bob Kravitz. I'm curious to see when he returns, how that dynamic will be. Uh, But clearly, Indiana's positioned themselves very well for the rest of the Big Ten season. As Jake pointed out, tied for second with Northwestern. Those two teams meet at 9 o'clock on Wednesday. Indiana will look to split that season series after Northwestern won in Assembly Hall back in early January. The other note, Butler this weekend. Big one for Thad modest bunch. The Bulldog, I imagine, was rocking on Friday night. That would be the bar, the establishment there. Uh, (laughs) Butler storming the floor there at Hinkle Fieldhouse. They were up 14 at halftime and hung on for dear life. A wild final minute, but they upset Xavier in what will easily go down as the
1: highlight of the season. You know, they have the self-serve pints at uh-huh bulldog.
2: yeah i could see people maybe just going straight mouth to the pint it after seems that.
1: like people prefer still though to go and have a bartender wait on them
2: i have been to the bulldog probably a dozen times in my like we live 300 yards from there i have not done the self-serve ones. yeah
1: i mean it's there's something about going up and like having the you know having the bartender pour your beer and
2: yeah just a little bit too much foam when i used to try that Did you ever go to rebar over on delaware when it was around Rebar, just south of Mass Ave. Are you just saying you're not confident in your pouring? That
1: pills? a little bit. It was right by all the bail bonds place. Okay, yeah, yeah. Stephanie Roach, Roach Bail Bonds. I grew up with her. There you go. I'm, I'm good to go. If I ever, I'm glad.
2: I'm glad you quickly clarified
1: that you grew up with her. Now that you've used her for business, you guys ever need to be bailed out? You call me. Oh, for
3: sure. I You're my phone one guy. phone call. I'll, I'll call Stephanie right there. Hey, Then listen. your sleep machine won't wake you up, Mark, and I'll be screwed. That's right. Mark's in the clink. <laughs> Back in the clank with, with you. 7 a.m., we'll get bag. you out,
1: Mark.
2: <laughs> uh, tonight, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it's the Pacers and Jazz. Um, can anyone name the Jazz head coach?
1: Ooh, boy. Uh, it's not Quinn Snyder anymore, right? Frank Layden? No, it's not him. Jerry Sloan? No.
2: I don't I know I cannot name four jazz players. I think I can get the first name of the head coach right. I think it's uh his name is Will and he Jack came from Juan? the No,
1: it's he not. He came him. from the
3: Celtics. I think his name is Will. No. no not Will? No. Gosh. He's got the same name of a, uh, a a Pacers commentator. Oh, Quinn Ding. No, it's not Quinn Snyder. No, it's not Quinn Snyder. It's what it says Quinn Snyder's no, gone no, Mark, no, it he's with it. No, update the dead. browser. Will? Well, that's is Google's <laughs> Google's wrong then. Will something or other.
1: Will Hardy. Will, Will Hardy, thank yeah, okay. you. One of the, he's one of the Hardy brothers. Yeah, yeah, they so solve mysteries yeah, on days off. Well, apparently not in, on your computer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Whatever <laughs> happened to Quinn Snyder, I'm on the case. Pacers a slight favorite, actually. Nancy
1: Drew, by the way, point guard.
3: Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, <laughs> though, is questionable. You know what John Stockton's talking about. <laughs> Left thigh uh, sword. <laughs> yeah. And Miles Turner is
2: questionable with the back... So, didn't think we go there on a Monday, Mark. Uh, Jazz here. Uh, Bulls on Wednesday. That will conclude the All-Star break. So with the Pacers losing on Saturday in the nation's capital, they will now go a full two months without a road win. That has to be one of the longest droughts in franchise history.
1: One would think, right? I- two full months? <laughs> Are you worried, by the way, about your 31 I, bet?
2: I need, I, like I told you guys, I need one of these two okay you you, you, know, you have you reassured know. me quite often but
1: i mean they need five five of 28? 24 24 games left right 24 gosh it is only 24 <laughs> i they really need, need one of these they two. need to win 25 percent of their games basically
2: man when you put it like that
1: I uh, last like, last note by the way super bowl last night you know this because you're listening to this radio station if you didn't you'd be listening to npr Chiefs won.
3: <laughs> also, one more note. Uh, Tyrese Halbert and Miles Turner both questionable for tonight's didn't game. Didn't I just say that, Mark? No, he didn't.
1: Where, where, Mark, where have you been? I'm oh, here. Is, I'm here. Is that a Rihanna physically. song?
3: Is it? No, I'm here, but mentally I'm kind of tired. Pop Quiz coming <laughs> up next. Late last night? Do you know Tyrese Halbert and Miles Turner <laughs> are questionable tonight? <laughs> and the
2: coach is Denary. Is that right? Denary. yeah. yeah right. Denary,
3: mm-hmm. the new jazz head coach. Uh, Pop Quiz next. Through
5: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: 7239-1070. You
0: studied... Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Quarry. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil chain since 1985.
1: Pretty doable, I think, right?
2: Yeah, I glanced at it briefly. Scotty, I thought that MVP question might be on there. Mahomes, the first regular season MVP to win the Super Bowl since who? You had nine straight that had lost. I think you got to go before Kurt Warner. Would LA have been a regular season MVP and then won the Super Bowl? It's an astonishing stat in my mind. Yeah, Jake, now that I look at this, this is really doable. Yeah. I mean, not as easy as last Monday, which was the easiest in the history of the pop quiz. But this is up there.
3: Mark a number one through eight is Scotty takes a little joke. Well, Jake, do you want to? I know who the callers are, so you want to take the guess, Jake?
1: Patrick Mahomes yesterday won his second. Well, the Chiefs won their second Super Bowl right in this, but it is their fourth in franchise history. I will go with the number four, Trey.
2: If I set the over under right now at four and a half for Mahomes Super Bowls, what would you take
1: to win? to win under three and a half over I think he probably wins two more right
2: Trey good morning to you morning guys how are you Trey should today be a national holiday I think so (laughs) yeah
1: I agree Trey what was your favorite Super Bowl commercial
0: um to be honest I found myself
1: not really paying attention to the commercials much well, those that spent $7 million for 30 seconds of I'm your attention it. would be disappointed by that. Yeah. Your favorite aspect of the Super Bowl aside from the game itself, meaning the National Anthem, the halftime show, the God Bless America, the whatever. What was the question, Jake? I'm sorry. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> What was your It's a slow favorite? Monday. People, you yeah. know, ate a lot, drank a lot maybe. What was your day? favorite part of the Super Bowl aside from the actual game? In other words, of the auxiliary stuff, which one did you most enjoy?
0: I thought Stapleton's national anthem was really good.
1: Okay, yeah. that's yeah. cool. The
2: baby face, Stapleton, both did a nice job. All right, Trey, um, good luck today on the pop
1: quiz. Jake, you want to throw number one at him? All right, here we go, Trey. I think for it's question something you mentioned one. earlier in the show. Uh, Super Bowl 57 is now in the record books. Next year, Super Bowl 58 will be played where? A, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. B, Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. Pizza, pizza. Uh, C, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Or D, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami.
2: Uh, Vegas. Okay. All right, number two. No NFL franchise has ever won three Super Bowls in a row. Only two have won three Super Bowls in four seasons. The last to do it were the New England Patriots, who won Super Bowls 36, 38, and 39. Name the first team to win three Super Bowls over a four-year span. Was it the Packers, Steelers, Cowboys, or 49ers?
0: Steelers.
1: Okay, question three. This one's kind of convoluted, so listen closely. Kevin Burkhart called his first Super Bowl yesterday on Fox television, halting a monopoly in which only four different play-by-play announcers rotated the call every Super Bowl over the last 20 years. Who was the last play-by-play announcer before Burkhardt to make his Super Bowl debut on the primary U.S. telecast? Joe Buck, Jim Nance, Al Michaels, or Greg Gumbel?
3: Joe Buck. Oh, I don't know if I followed that one.
1: there. Yeah, it's a little confusing.
2: Uh, you want another guess? This guy called golf yesterday, actually.
0: Gymnames.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, nice, nice. All right, Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, Tiger back this week. I know, Jake, you want to focus a good hour on that later in the week so we can touch more on that later. Uh, number four, Trey, the Kansas City Chiefs won Super Bowl 57 last night. The Colts beat the Chiefs in week three this season. Name the last team the Colts beat in the regular season that went on to win that season's Super Bowl. Was it A, the Chiefs, B, the Broncos, C, the Seahawks, or D, the Packers? Mm.
1: We'll go with the Broncos Okay Uh, Question number five for you Patrick Mahomes is your 2022 NFL MVP He is the Super Bowl MVP He was the NFL passing touchdown leader and the NFL passing yardage leader Only three other players have achieved those four things in their entire NFL careers Which of the following has not been an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, and led the league in passing touchdowns and yards during their career? And I can assure you with 1,000% certainty, zero chance this person is hearing this or any other radio program today. Peyton Manning, Kurt Warner, Tom Brady, or Aaron Rodgers?
2: Aaron
1: Rodgers. Packers suck!
2: I'm glad all four of those are living people i was afraid you might say a dead person in there for the four choices on that front um all right trey let's see how you did uh number one jake the super bowl next year
1: will be played where las vegas's allegiant Uh, stadium is correct what are we
2: doing with three straight out west
1: I don't know, but I like it if the game starts at six instead of like eight thirty.
2: Well, it's it's all even. East Coast is going to start at six. Uh, Okay, the first team to win three Super Bowls over a four-year span, which obviously the Chiefs will try to do next season. Uh, Trey, guess the Steelers—the correct answer, though.
1: The Dallas Cowboys. You blew it. That would be the. Troy Aikman era. Uh, Chiefs was correct for number four. Aaron Rodgers for number five. Now, question number three. I want to read this again and have Scotty explain. I I think I grasp what he is saying. Kevin Burkhart called his first Super Bowl yesterday on Fox Television, halting a monopoly in which only four different play-by-play announcers rotated the call of every Super Bowl over the past 20 years. Who was the last play-by-play announcer before Burkhart to make his Super Bowl debut on the primary US telecast. So that would be in other words of of these four guys which one most recently did his first. Okay. Probably would have been easier to just say, of these four guys, which one most recently did his first That's kind of crazy. I, I, I would have guessed what Trey guessed then. Yeah, Joe Buck is
2: what I would, I would have, have guessed as well. I would have guessed Joe Buck would have done it more recently than Nance.
1: But or, Nance or did, did his it, debut, I should say. So Nance did it in 07. I would assume that means that Greg Gumbel was doing it before, directly before him for CBS? Yeah, Gumbel 01, Al Michaels 98, Joe Buck 2005. And Michaels has done it for NBC and ABC, right?
2: I saw a lot of tweets yesterday about, I can't believe the Colts beat the Chiefs, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Do we want to recall quickly like what happened in that Chiefs game? Do we remember the Chris Jones penalty? That's, That's exactly single-handedly right. lost the Chiefs the game. Uh, Sky Moore dropped a punt to start the game. That gifted the Colts points. Travis Kelsey dropped a touchdown and berated himself for that. And Kansas City missed like nine field goals and also like went for these weird fourth downs and... The, yeah, Bucker was hurt, uh, to Scotty's point. He got hurt in the season opener, ironically enough, in Arizona. But, yeah, I mean, the Colts certainly did their part defensively, but Kansas City gifted them a whole lot in that Week 3 win over the now,
1: Chiefs. Which Which game was it? Was it the Jalen Hurts fourth down draw play that won the game for Philly here? that led to the Rick Venturi, oh, my God, or was that a different play? Well, there were a lot of oh, my God moments <laughs> late in the season, <laughs> to be one, fair, Jake. Which one was
2: which one was the one, though? I think it was the Hurts one.
1: No, I don't think it was. It was late in the year. No, it was, it was, the Hertz. No, th- it was not the Hurts play. I I'm thought he had a
3: couple. You. It was late in the year. Do we have the Hurts play? I just have the
1: oh possession into
3: the end zone God. for Okay, that, was, hold that on. was the Texans. Wasn't it the, the last second that's Texans? What won? That's, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, but
2: I, I think the original, oh my God, was Hurts. Because think about it from Rick's vantage point. Jake, you've been up in that press box. That was in the left end oh, zone you, if I we're mean, looking down on the field. Yeah. You saw the parting of the seas. No question. And it was literally walking in it. Third and goal from the seven.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it was a part, like, it was just a huge parting of the ocean.
4: Hurts was. Oh no! Oh the first no! Was, oh, no. Okay, that's what thank it was. You. I knew thank, it. You, thank you,
1: Todd
2: Meyer. Todd just Todd Meyer, who's got who's got IU winning the Big Ten title. This Todd just year.
1: Lo- he he was just logging off of uh, one of the peaks.com. websites to buy IU T shirts
2: to come yeah, in and tell uh-huh. us that. <laughs> uh, by the way, that's a two game lead right now for Purdue in the Big Ten. They do they they don't play Northwestern again, right? Because
1: Northwestern's nine and five two. They'll lose it. Can you imagine if Northwestern wins the Big Ten? Don, Don has the Purdue mentality, like just waiting for the other shoe to fall.
2: IU at Northwestern Wednesday. Purdue has got a 6.30 tip at Maryland, who almost beat them at Mackey earlier this season. Good snap <laughs> for Hurts. He's going to take
0: off. He's at the five, and he danced into the end zone. He threw they're going to do that. He
2: ran right up the gut and scampers into the end zone untouched. That's go. the thing when when Ventura. Curry says, "There, you know, you knew they were going to do that. Oh, That's man. so true. You knew it. Oh, unbelievable! Shotgun snap for Hurts. He's going to oh, take no. off. He's at the five, and he danced oh, into the
0: end no. zone. He threw no it. Oh, they're going to do that.
2: Because <laughs> didn't he scramble earlier you know, in the drive on like so, a similar? play? Everyone reply? in
1: the stadium yeah. knew what was happening.
2: God, Zaire Franklin, I remember just turning his back on that play. Oh man, honestly, if Jalen Hurts doesn't score there and the Colts win that game." You know who the Colts are hiring today, right? Or hell, they probably would have hired him three weeks ago. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, might, might, might have been the reaction fans would have had with Jeff Saturday getting the announcement. All right, we'll update you on Shane Steichen. where things stand. Stan. We'll round it out here coming up next.
5: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
2: Just picturing Chris Ballard in his office right now, like pacing back and forth, like did Shane Steichen get on the flight? Did he? Did he get on the plane? So, what
1: do we know officially? Do you know what time he's going to be here? Uh,
2: based off Adam Schefter's reporting earlier today, Schefter said that Shane Steichen is scheduled to fly to Indy this afternoon, when he is expected to finalize
1: his deal to become the Colts' next head coach. Now, somebody asked me this question yesterday. I think it's a fair one, although it's kind of a moot point now. If Philly had won the Super Bowl, does Steichen get an extra oomph in his paycheck in his negotiation? Or, for that matter, does the Josh McDaniel situation give him leverage in the negotiation to get every single thing that he wants?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, You know, I would... Hope he would get certainly a little bit of bump from Philly but yeah from a cult side of it that'd be interesting if I'm not mistaken Jake him and Chris Ballard have the same agent so you would think that would help make that situation a little bit more civil than it wouldn't so um, again I'm supposed to get final word on this today so far I think all of this reporting has been from the other side of it, the Colts have not confirmed anything, and as I've said, really throughout the entire month of February and into January, I think all of this is because of what happened with Josh McDaniels, and it's you know just the embarrassment, the nervousness, the egg on the face, everything they went through with McDaniels in 2018. That's why the Colts have been so so cautious. It's hard to believe that was five years ago. With this, but um, if he signs his contract today, I I don't know. I, I I'm just guessing here, but. I wouldn't think he, like, left Arizona. I'd like to think you would let him sleep in. I mean, hell, I don't know if they had, like, a morning team meeting just to say, all right, say your goodbyes with the Eagles players. I mean... I, I would not think we have a press conference today. I would think tomorrow morning would make the most sense to me.
1: Would Philly have flown back last night? No, no way.
2: I mean, the losing team has a party, too. Yeah. I mean, think about that. The game ended at what ten o'clock Eastern? All right. By the time you fly back, fly I mean that's yeah, flights I mean, five hours, four four and a half, five hours all the way to I, Philly. I
1: still sometimes I laugh about, and, and I will forever laugh about the Colts winning the Super Bowl and having zero plan on a parade. So they land, and like at, people just start. Driving to the RCA Dome. I think maybe they had said like there'll be a reception at the RCA Dome, but it's like 10 degrees outside. People started lining up all around Monument Circle. Norman Cox of Channel 6 is wearing a Cleveland Browns hat, running around with his microphone, yelling at everybody that it's a false report that there's no Super Bowl parade taking place. And then all of a sudden, like, Around the right-hand turn on Capitol, somebody's like, there they are! And there's three, like, kind of floats that they took out of a basement somewhere that were used for the 500 Festival Parade and then, like, one golf cart with a platform on it. And the team is just kind of thrown onto it with Bob Sanders standing in the back wearing superstar sunglasses and Bill Pullian gripping onto the lombardi trophy not allowing anybody to get within nine <laughs> feet of it like peyton manning wants to come up and like put his hand on it and bill points it get away from me and
2: could totally see
1: that. people were just frozen like what is going on and and they literally just like drove up Capitol, took a right on market came around the circle went down meridian back to south street and into the rca dome
2: Chris asked, why would the Colts have Steichen come here today, sign the deal, and then have a press conference tomorrow? Why not do both on the same day? Let him catch his breath. I mean, does he want to prep at all for the press conference? Right. Does he want to discuss some things? Does he want to meet with people in the building? Well, Sirianni I, didn't. It worked out for him okay. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think Shane Steichen has been to Indy at all through this process. I think they've gone to him. Zoom, and then they've gone to Philly. Right. Understandably. So, I, I have no issue with... You know, waiting today, you can sign the contract, but then wait a day on the press card. That's what you saw with Denver and Carolina. How about this from ESPN? Jalen Hurts, the only QB to produce four touchdowns in a game and lose in the Super Bowl, and entering Sunday, teams that scored at least thirty-five points in the Super Bowl or a conference championship game were thirty-nine and zero. Wow.
1: I mean, look. I know that Jalen Hurts, that fumble, and that that scoop six was huge. Huge. And then the punt return. But outside of that, I mean, you can't blame Jalen Hurts for No, that. he was great. And I didn't think the shoulder showed up really at all.
2: Um, We're hoping to have Shane Steichen on at some point this week. Is that the thought, Mark? I don't know if that's... Yeah,
3: I mean, that's the goal. The bat phone will be active. The bat phone will be active.
1: So we'll will be active. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it'll be... Uh, a more updated version than your jazz coaching okay.
3: knowledge. want I talk right. about outdated things, look to Jake Weary, my How's friends. Your, excuse me? Yeah.
1: What, what's outdated about me?
3: <laughs> Some of your references. Oh, that Happy Days episode was great. What was that, 45 I, years ago? My parents loved Happy Days. I, I never
1: watched Happy Days. I oh. simply made the reference once of jumping the shark, and somebody's like, I've never heard that reference. I'm like, what? Yeah, Scotty, I'm, I'm have not- you heard the reference jumping the shark? Yes. Yeah.
2: You missed it. Bob Kravitz joined us earlier. That'll be on the podcast. Pacers jazz tonight. Again, Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, both questionable. You know,
1: Matlock comes on at 10. You ought to come over
3: for it sometime. I would love to. a
1: slight favorite on that front. I mixed the
3: Metamucil. About You've rented it out of your house, though. There's other people occupying there at the moment. What's That, <laughs> that is true. You know?
1: <laughs> I mean, come on. You're calling me outdated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> I think there are times where there are some references for that. All right, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll see if the Colts have a head coach. See you.